Shalom, bienvenidos, welcome, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Uncommon Ground. I am, as always, Wes Blaze, joined by my brother, co-host, the firmamentalist, Sean Griffin. How are you tonight, brother? I'm great, Wes Blaze. I'm excited for tonight's show. Uh, we got here. some fun guests. Yes, so. sir, we do. We got episode nine. This is called Fired for Truth in honor of our good friend, Nate Wolf, who will be joining us here in just a moment. And uh, we got some big announcements. I'm happy. Happy to be here. Thanks to you, man. Y'all could be anywhere in the whole flat world tonight, but y'all are here with us and we thank you for it. That's right. That's right. There's nothing. It, this, this show is, uh, it's unique. I guess it's not like a show I've ever done before. Right. So when I, when I talked to you initially about, Hey, we should do a show like this because this seems to be some information or it, uh, the way we're presenting this information, you and I both were like, we don't see anybody else presenting it like this. So we feel like somebody's got to do it. Let's do it. But I think that some of the comments that we're receiving, some of the feedback uh, that we're getting is super encouraging. So we just want to say thank you to everybody. Uh, guys, our Patreon is growing. That helps us get better at what we do. I want to say thank you to all of our patrons that are supporting us as well. Because if you guys aren't don't remember, our, our Patreon is a part of our Firmament project. So we got extra content on the Patreon as far as uh, meeting ongoing meetings that we'll be having. And we have already had... Uh, for the Firmament Project with the people that are volunteering, uh, awesome brothers that are volunteering to help us do that. So go check that out. The link's in the video description below. Um, if you love what we're doing, but you don't like Patreon for some reason, we all we also have other ways that you can support us below. So that, that we have received people's support already, and we're just super grateful, uh, super thankful. Uh, you guys have sent us prayers, encouraging letters, and actual support. And we're just going to brainstorm and work to make each episode better and better. So much love and thank you. Absolutely. It's been a blast so far, brother. And uh, man, just knowing that this creation model, the truth of it, the realization of it, the, the creation model is literally the setting and the place in which the entire story of the Bible takes place. And I don't know if anybody knows or not, but we're still in the Bible times, right? We're still in that story. And so we are still in that setting, that same creation model. And it's uh, it's a beautiful place and it's a beautiful acknowledgement once you're able to just come to the terms with it. And that's what we're we're here to do. But tonight we have uh, somebody that also came to that realization. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have uh, they experienced some hardships as a result. And so he's got a, an amazing testimony to share with us tonight, something really encouraging and uplifting in the face of those trials and tribulations. And uh, he he has my respect as a result of it. What's unique about uh, our guest, Pastor Nate Wolf, is that he actually um, you know, he, we, we've interviewed pastors before, like people have seen the interviews we put up, but we wouldn't interview pastors, but those are just little snippets, right? We didn't have a full on tonight. We could have a full on conversation yeah. about these things with the pastor, you know, live guys, so you're watching this live. So hit that thumbs up, like share and subscribe as well. Um, but also I think we wanted to talk about someone that's uh what was our first sponsor. Is that right? Yeah. 
Absolutely. So Mr. Carey, a good friend of mine that attends my Bible studies that I actually found through a Kingdom in Context Facebook group. Um, and his name on YouTube is Yeshua's Garden. You may have seen him around. And he has a uh, joint venture that he's a partner in where he's got an app that they're going, that they're putting together. It's called Trivia Stacks, right? You say It says uh, quizzes for cash, not fake coins. The fake coins isn't necessarily in reference to cryptocurrency or anything like that. It's just in reference to how certain you know apps like this will just give you their own little pretend coin that maybe you can do something with in the future. But this will pay out directly uh, cash. And there's some great trivia segments on there. They're adding a Bible one as we speak, if it's not already already on there. And that's a good friend of mine. It's not we're not selling out here, getting sponsors like this. We're just uh, trying to promote our brothers and, and the, the projects they're involved in. And so this is a good one. You can go on there and have some fun playing some trivia, get paid for it. Yeah, this isn't a corporate sponsor, but it's basically from within our own community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of, uh, both of viewers and believers. So it's the best the best type right. of collaboration. Trivia stacks. He's even, got, he's even got the t-shirt. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so without further ado, guys, we want to, um, we actually want to make a big announcement. We teased this last week that we were going to have a big announcement for Uncommon Ground. And this week we want to share it with you. So let me uh, put something on real quick. And then we're going to have some un unexpected special guests join us for this announcement. Let's do it. the world 21 yes it is happening it is not going to be virtual for 21 it is going to be live and in person so we've got a lot of uh, speakers lined up for that a lot of new speakers in there uh, a couple that we just announced we have uh, sean griffin and wes blaze of the brand new show called uncommon ground and they're going to be leading some biblical cosmology sessions so that's going to be pretty exciting i'm feeling like i'm ready 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 That's this year, and I want to welcome Take on the World, the uh, hosts of it. We got Chris and Liz Billy, and I'm so excited. That's our announcement. We are going to take on the world, and I want to hear more from Chris and Liz about it. But uh, thank you all so much. It's an honor. This is uh, I've only gotten to attend one conference of any kind like this, and so to be invited to, to be a performer and to present alongside my brother here, it's just such an honor. And so I'm, I'm yeah. all praise to the Father. We are super excited to have you both. It's going to be a phenomenal conference, and we invite all the listeners to come join us August 19th through the 22nd yeah. uh, for the best weekend ever. That's sort of our, our tagline. Mm -hmm. Even though that the promo said 20th through 22nd, that's the conference dates. The kickoff is the 19th, so mm -hmm. we're going to have some music. We're going to just have a blast that uh, Thursday evening, and then we're going to kick off to a three-day conference with 70 sessions uh, expanded by three different stages. We're going to have cosmology stages, prepping uh, health stages. We're going to have uh, all sorts of different types of stages, main stage stuff, 
Um, and then we're going to have a full kids program, a full teens program. So there's something for everybody at yes. this conference. So This is not your typical conference. We go all out and include absolute everything that we can think of to just make it be um, the best weekend to connect with like-minded individuals, to just strengthen your faith, strengthen your relationships. Literally, you walk in and you feel like you're already home. Like everybody becomes instant family with you for the whole entire weekend and you literally don't want to leave. That's that's how it always goes. And we're always so sad for the last day, but um, we are just, we're, we're gearing up to have it be an amazing, amazing event. So, so glad you guys could join us. Yeah, totally. And it's uh, one of the questions in there. Where's it at? It's in Ohio. It is close to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so it's a city called Marengo, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a gorgeous retreat yeah, center. It's amazing. Over 360 acres. You can stay on site. There is a dining hall as well. So you do not have to leave for three to four, if you come early, solid days of just um, hanging out, hanging yeah. out with your with your best friends, truly. And some of the other speakers uh, include uh, Rob Skiba, uh, cancer doctor in mm -hmm. Mexico, natural cancer doctor, Dr. Patrick Vickers. Um, we got Chad Schaefer, Nathan Reynolds. Some of you guys might be familiar with him. George Moss, Alan Aguirre, uh, Dr. Alonzo Manzo. Alfonso Manzo, sorry about that. He was in the Way documentary. You guys might know him from that. Mm -hmm. uh, Nita Moshe, Aaron and Ian Chadrick. Uh, Jake Grant. Aaron Sampson, Jake Grant, uh, <laughs> Michael Solomon. Uh, who's been a guest um, Rick uh, Hummer. on uh, Sean's show, uh, yeah. Jeremiah Durr, Tour Town. Yep. Uh, Shelly Lewis and the whole Flat Smack yeah. Amber Plaster. Amber Plaster. Yeah, there's so many people. <laughs> uh, Rick Hummer, Shelly Lewis, yeah. uh, going to be doing Flatlanders. Um, going to be showing episode one of Flatlanders docuseries right there exclusively at Take on the World. So we're super excited about that. Tom, uh, through, through the Black, uh, we've got so many different people. Yeah. So yeah. It's um, over, over 30. Yeah, and not everybody's announced yet. So more people are gonna be announced soon. So you guys were um, sort of one of the la uh, la the, lace, uh, the last announcements. So. Um, last, but definitely not least. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so you guys are rounding out the cosmology and we're gonna be leading that cosmology stage. So we're super excited about that. Um, yeah, so I don't want to take up time, but um, no I, I, do, I do know the guest that is for tonight. His story is um, so important to uh, to take on the world um, because he is he is um, here tonight sharing everything because he stepped foot into this conference. So this conference, um, I'm going to tell you, it's going to change your paradigm on how you view things. So. If, if your paradigm has already been shifted and changed on how you view scripture, the world, this is a great chance to invite a friend, a family member, somebody who's just not there in an environment that is welcoming of, of everybody to just be able to uh, just learn truth and allow iron to sharpen iron. And so many people who didn't see eye to eye, I mean, you know, Nate's a great example of that, of, you know, even on, on uh, the Torah stuff, he came to the conference for, you know, learning about biblical cosmology. Um, but then a year later, after stumbling into Torah topics, um, changed the way he views as a, as a pastor for nearly two decades, um, changed his whole view of how he reads the scripture. Um, and so that, that is what's happening at this conference. And um, 
you know, it's it's not going to be forceful. It's not going to be pushy. It's going to meet people right where they're at. And there's something for everyone, um, ages uh, five and up, all the way through. So, fantastic. Brother, we are so looking forward to it. I've heard so many great things about this conference. I was actually invited to to perform, I think, two years ago and wasn't able to end up making it. But this time, yeah. we have no excuses. We'll be there. Mm -hmm. So so not only time. will Sean be doing presentations, Wes will be doing presentations. Wes is going to be doing some music. Um, so I can't spill the beans too much, but he's going to be doing some stuff um, in that in that regards. Maybe Sean will rap as well. So we're, we're going to do some things like that. And um, and me and Sean can figure out who, who's got the cleanest shave out of all yeah. the people who have beards. So um, yeah. we're working I'll on some be, other. Go ahead. I'm, I'm guessing I, I might be answering a lot of questions about Leviticus 1927. When there I'm you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be keeping actually, it in context. You can bet that. Actually, everybody's yeah. <laughs> cool. Everybody's cool about everything. So you, it's going to be absolute blast. Um, you know, the people are more chill than um, what you get behind the keyboard. Um, so it's absolutely awesome. The presentations are great, but the fellowship out by, by far outweighs anything there. And so you'll meet lifelong friends and, uh, really cultivate online friendships, uh, home level. So make this yeah, year the year that you come and, uh, the, the last testimony, I'll share this, um, that we just got in, um, somebody who came in 2019, came specifically um, to pray over the facility because it was um, the, the place that we were at was um, the place that she went when she was a teenager. And so she came to pray over the place, over the lies that we were spewing from, um, from the stages. By the end of the conference, um, Yahweh had another plan for her and she just messaged us, bought her tickets for this year and is so excited to come and learn and dive deeper in when she came specifically to pray against how wrong everything we were teaching was and, and God showed up and showed her something different. So, um, and that, that dealt with everything you guys are going to be talking about tonight and, uh, and then some, so. God um, is so good. Y'all that gave me yeah, chills. So, I like that. Yeah. So that's a great, yeah. this is a great chance to bring someone who you know, isn't on this path, you go, Hey, I already know everything. This is a time to bring your, your friends, your mom, your dad, uh, your brother, your brother-in-law, the one that's always making fun of you. <laughs> you buy their ticket, drive them out there, have a nice fun weekend together. Um, and then say, you think I'm still crazy? And then they'll say, and you got a point here. So, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. We've always joked around that uh, when Yeshua returns, there won't be anyone left on earth that believes we live on a ball in space. They'll see that firm and roll open like a scroll and they're like, oh, that looks like a roof. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to, the, to the, the sheer surprise of his return, no one knows the day or the hour, add that to breaking through the indoctrination super fast by, by realizing, oh, wait, he's coming through the roof. Yeah. Like he's not, you know, he's, he's not coming from, from uh, he's not swinging and, you know, looping past the moon or past Saturn or something like that. No, he's literally just coming down from above us. He's been that close this whole time. You know, to me, like that's a hugely comforting feeling. Yeah. So this, this is why for West Plays and I is such a passion to get the truth out there. I jokingly call myself a fundamentalist. I, you know, make shirts with the, with the word on there because I feel like it's a, it's something that uh, it literally it, it breaks through a lot of the deception that we've all been taught in our lives about, you know, the, the typical responses to the shape of creation. When you, you start talking about the firmament, 
there's there hasn't been a lot of uh, deception that has geared towards the firmament, you know. So yep. um, it, to me, I've found that it just breaks right through and people start saying, wait a minute, what? And I'm saying, no, I'm describing a house with multiple layers. That's all I'm describing. Mm -hmm. We're just on the bottom yeah. layer. You know, they can picture that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they can't picture space without a ball because that's what they've been programmed. So, yeah, it's such a blessing when people catch it because in our in Wes's own experience, it actually draws them closer. I mean, that's a huge part of Wes's testimony. Yeah. It draws yeah. them closer to the Father yeah. Because it makes example. more sense. Yeah, yeah. His word yeah. makes sense at that point. And that's where we're excited to, to be there. We really want to thank you for having us there. To me, it's it's an honor. So we'll, yeah. we'll be and, happy and, to be and, there. And I'll tell you, that is, you know, watching all your early episodes when you guys kicked off the show, you know, yeah. I've, I've been, I was praying about, you know, because a lot of speakers have been moving on from speaking about biblical cosmology or flat earth or whatever we want to say. Right. And um uh, you know, and some of them couldn't make it, you know, guys like Robbie Davidson, who's moved on and he can't make it because he's in Canada with all the COVID restrictions and all these things. And, um, you know, I'm just going, what's the direction? What am I supposed to do? And then you guys go and announce this episode one and I'm, I'm watch it. Episode two, I'm like, okay. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden, by the time I think it was episode, you know, episode two or three, somewhere in there, I, I was already getting the tug going, okay, you reach out to Wes. It's, it's on Sean and Wes. They need to be there leading this, this, um, this, this topic because of that approach. And that's the one thing that I appreciate it from, you know, all the videos that you guys have done is your approach on how you share um, and how you teach this uh, from a, from a level that is not only, um, you know, very, um, you know, what's the right word is, you know, not only that it's catchy or um, it makes sense or all those types of superficial type of things, but it, it, it's, it's biblical. And the way that you guys do is with the right spirit. So, you know, there's tons of videos that, and, and people who teach, you know, the science, right. Or they do this, right. But that's the one thing that I appreciated from what you guys did. And that's what, you know, drew me right to saying you guys need to be here and, and speaking on this and really sharing your, you know, everything you guys are doing. So I, I totally appreciate what you guys are up to. And, you know, um, and, and I'll say this, I, I told Wes, I don't know if, if you told Sean, but um, if you guys don't know us over at take on the world TV, um, I have a show with my co-host It's called flat out insights. And it's me and Michael Solomon who have been on uh, Kingdom in Context uh, two mm -hmm. episodes last season. And um, we're going to have you guys on and we're just going to just go full blast, like talk back and forth and do a, a, a flat out insight on Common Ground um, mashup show over on our channel. And then if you guys want to have us on, we'll come on to anytime and uh, do that for the future. But I don't want to take any Excellent. more Pastor Nate's Wolf's time. So I appreciate that. But if you guys want to learn more about Take on the World Conference, go to totwconference.com. If one of the mods um, can throw that in the chat room, that would be awesome. So totwconference.com. You guys can get tickets there, the lodging, the food. You guys can get all set up to join us all for three days. It's going to be an absolute blast. So I saw y'all had a couple's price where it's a little discount for we've two got, tickets at once. You still we've have got, that? We've got couple's prices. we got family cool. pricing. Yeah, so. And I was and really surprised, like, based on what I've seen from other conferences in the past, you guys are really, uh, like, reasonably priced, affordable. Yeah. 
we know we know it costs to travel to get there and, and you know we're, we do everything ourselves you know we're not um you know in this to make money or profit or anything we're, we're trying to cover you know all the costs of the facility to, to have this done and um you know which they, they are high and uh, but i believe every, every year um even though we've lost every year uh, he's provided um our family and everything that we need so um this year hopefully um you know we get closer to you know breaking even but hey that if it doesn't happen doesn't happen he he provides so we keep those prices as affordable as possible because we understand it costs gas is going up and travel expenses and lodging and food that's expensive so you know we that's try to right. make it as affordable as possible so thank you Curtis. we're blessed and by if anybody you has, yeah let me say this if anybody has any type of like financial restraint and those and and just a little help on the tickets if you really need that reach out to us you know don't be shy um we won't bite and and we'll help you out as much as we can so that's amazing i've never heard anybody say that it was put together a conference you're really cool that's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm humbled by your kind words brother and you're so appreciated thank you for making the time to come on with us and help us make the announcement we're super excited can't wait and it's i just know that from my one time being at a conference where i'm I'm meeting finally face to face all these people that I've only ever seen in 2D, you know, <laughs> on a screen uh, in real life. It's just such a surreal experience and it really does feel like home, just like you said. So you nailed it, brother. Thank you for your time. Much love. Well, you bet. Well, hey, you got you guys have a great show tonight. I'll be I'll be watching from from afar. You've got you've got you've got uh, my brother Nate on tonight. So um, looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So let's do it. Without further ado, Sean, do you got a clip? I do. Like we got a little introduction for Mr. Nate Wolf, good friend of mine. Got to meet him in person at that conference I was talking about at the FEIC 19. Hung out with him, gave a big old bear hug. Dude is just so humble and always, you never see this guy getting into bickering fights on the internet, but you never see a day almost either where he's not saying, hey, everybody pray for this person. I've got this person on the prayer list today. So let's check out this clip we got for him and I can't wait to introduce him. Right. Uh oh, it's just a few seconds to try. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Wolf. Hey guys, it's Nate Wolf. This is Pastor Nate Wolf. I'm Nate Wolf. If you've heard the news about Pastor Nate Wolf, yesterday I spent two hours emptying out my office at the church. I got fired from a ministry position that I had for about seven and a half years. Because we lost most of our close friends. I was fired for doing nothing more but attending the Take on the World 18 conference. Not for speaking out on any truths that I've come to, not for sharing anything on Facebook, not for causing any trouble whatsoever, but simply attending the most amazing conference that I've ever been to. I want to encourage those in ministry who maybe have experienced the same thing, or maybe you're afraid. Maybe right now you're you're watching this and you're thinking, man, this, this could be me next, but I'm gonna tell you, and when I share my testimony, that being fired yesterday was probably the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah indeed. Welcome to the show. Uncommon Ground welcomes Nate Wolf. Got you on mute, brother. Welcome, Nate. 
Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Wow, I was just having some serious flashbacks watching that garage video that kind of kicked it all off uh, as far as, uh, you know, YouTube and social media were concerned. And it was only a little over two years ago? It, you know, it'll Almost be three, three years in Almost September, three. which is That's scary. I'm like, wow, we're coming up on three years, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, You and I both, I know, have grown so much just in this short period of time, really, relatively, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's there's been a lot of topics and I'll be just upfront with you guys. Like there's still a lot of topics that I haven't like, do, you know, dove into like seriously. Um, it started out with the biblical cosmology, you know, as far as once I was fired uh, before that, you know, kind of, I guess kind of the gateways for me were, you know, the moon landing, uh, JFK, stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think I might have been prepped more than I realized. Um and so biblical cosmology, obviously, after I was fired and, and even about a year before that was the main focus uh, of my study and my wife's study and even my children. Yeah. And then, uh, as Chris mentioned, about a year later, we pulled the trigger on some new beliefs and convictions that we had regarding Sabbath and uh, the feast days of Yah and different things. And so then I kind of shifted focus a little bit, you know, towards that. Um and then about a year ago, I got a, a quote day job. Um, you know, it was pretty hard to uh, not be able to pay, a, a, you know, some of the bills for a while. And if it wasn't for brothers and sisters supporting us, you know, for a year and a half or more without having a, you know, a steady income, we wouldn't have made it. So I really yeah. appreciate everybody. Uh, but it's kind of interesting how this new job came about. And I, I could say more about it later if you guys want to talk about that. It's, uh, That's it's definitely right. pr uh, providence from the father. So, Yes, sir. Yeah, he has been good and taking care of us, hasn't he? Amen. Brother, I'm just excited to get to walk through some of this testimony with you. I know that you were a pastor of a church. Now, how many different churches did you pastor? Um, you know, I, I was in volunteer ministry in uh, youth ministry since I was like 19. Yeah. But as far as uh, what you would call like a paid congregational minister, like a full-time ministry since about 2000, 2001. And uh, I was a youth and family minister in Michigan for a couple of years. And then we moved out west uh, to the Snake River Valley. And I was uh, in full-time preaching and teaching for about eight years. And then, uh, would you believe, 10 years ago tomorrow, we moved uh, to the Toledo, Ohio area to uh, for a new congregation. Uh, still preaching and teaching mainly. And so, uh, you know, probably three, probably three churches that I've really worked full time for. And then several churches uh, when I was younger doing, you know, uh, youth ministry internships and various, uh, various uh, short term ministries. Uh, but, you know, so it's been been about 27 years total and wow. volunteer and paid ministry. But uh, before that, I did some things that uh, I didn't realize at the time I was going to need this last year to get this new job that I have. So, you know, the father, he's, he's just laughing because he's like, I, I knew this 20 years ago, man, you know, I knew that from <laughs> the beginning. So the end from the beginning. Absolutely. Yep. Yes, sir. Exactly. So you've had a lot of experience. I can see yes. that. <laughs> yeah. And you were actually the first person on, do you remember the geocentric eccentric about two yeah. years ago doing yeah. that with me? Yeah, you and Mikey Jenny were the first person people I interviewed, and that was like on the episode two there. Yeah, and I just had fun. so much fun with that. So this is in homage of that having you back on as some of our first guests that we have on this show as well, brother. So I'm glad to bring it back around. And well, so you also you had a the the most recent 
church that you were working at, you were there for about seven years. Is that right? Yeah, it was like seven, seven, seven and a half years. And yeah. um, things one day you kind of got you got stuck in that uh, that uh, rabbit hole, right? The yeah. YouTube. You started checking yeah. out some YouTube videos. Tell us about that. What happened? There? Yeah, well, it's it's really uh, interesting because I was actually invited to do a Wednesday night teaching uh, for a church up in Michigan that always does like a summer series on a theme. And they do like Wednesday night Bible study summer series. And they were doing a series along the lines of like creation and different topics. And they asked me to do a lesson about the flood, you know, whether yeah. and, and really they just gave me carte blanche. But they were kind of like, you know. Uh, talk about the flood from Genesis, and you know uh, we're real interested to know uh, your your thoughts for whether this is a universal flood or local flood, because that's always what people you know fuss about usually. And so I was preparing to study for this uh, this class on the flood, and I was pretty excited. There was a lot of neat things I was relearning in Genesis, and new things that were jumping out at me. And I did this uh, teaching, and uh, but right before I went up to the, Michigan to teach. I was on YouTube. I thought, well, I'm done with my lesson, but I wanted to check out a few videos on the flood and see what YouTube had to offer. So I watched a few short videos that were helpful and, uh, you know, gave some different perspectives. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I started seeing in the recommended uh, section on the right side of your you know, YouTube page, uh, there was this uh, documentary called The Global Lie. And I was like, global lie, celebrate truth. What's that? And, you know, I'd been thinking and preaching actually for the last year or two previously to that uh, a lot about Satan and his de deceiving the world in a lot of different ways. So I thought, well, if there's a global lie, I need to know about this. You know, so I clicked on it. And the way Robbie had done that video was so good. There was a lot of scripture just right from the from the kickstart. And, um, you know, they didn't throw around the term flat earth, you know, but it was I was looking at these scriptures and, you know, they were saying, hey, it's not this is not what uh, what the Bible describes. What we've been taught is not what the Bible describes. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't seem to be a troll video like he, they're serious. Like, what is this? You know, and and <laughs> I, I was having a weird moment, but I knew what the, I knew that these were legitimate scriptures they were sharing. Right. So I'm like, okay. Um, so I watched the whole documentary and then all of a sudden I'm starting to get more recommendations, you know, and some of them are specifically saying stuff like flat earth. And I'm like, wow, what is going on here? So I, I dove down the rabbit hole and it, it wasn't long uh, that I started realizing I couldn't refute these things that were being said. And I did have a little bit of uh, cognitive dissonance, but really I was it was more about a burden to investigate further. And uh, my wife was watching me watch a ton of videos. And one night she's like, hey, what are you doing over there? And I was like, I didn't know how to react because I'm supposed to be like, oh, nothing. It's just flat earth, you know? Right. I was like, well, you know, let me tell you. And and she was like, is that a thing? Like I told her a few things. I, I said, I, said I, I think it is a thing. I said, that's what I'm doing right now is I'm checking some stuff out. So she kind of jumped down the rabbit hole with me pretty quickly. Uh, and she was very That's convinced. love right there. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. That's an equally young and, couple. Uh, she, she didn't pack the car and grab the kids and say, hey, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, she investigated. And then our kids were, you know, our kids are sharp. They caught on to stuff. And so we had uh, discussions with them. But that's really, I, I believe it was the providence of the father. I mean, he was priming me years before and I didn't even know it. And uh, all I needed was that first video and then some successive videos and, and Bible study. And I went back into Genesis, particularly Genesis 1. I spent a lot of time mulling things over. And uh, 
one thing led to another. And uh, about this was, uh, you know, actually this was like 2017 in the spring is really when I kind of had this uh, awakening shoved at me. And uh, by September, well, by by August of 2018, we had found out or we had attended this take on the world conference that we found out short notice. And my wife was like, well, you know, uh, our anniversary was in July and we really didn't do much. So why don't we kill two birds with one stone and go to this interesting, you know, nice. <laughs> conference on Lake Erie. So, yeah. so we went and uh, there was long story short, there was some ensuing gossip and things. Uh, but I think it was part of the father's plan to, to allow some things to occur uh, and allow me to get fired by my church for simply attending the conference. Goodness, and not for yeah. talking about it with anybody at the church, not for posting mm. about it. You hadn't dropped any bugs in any of the congregation's ear about any of these things. You had only attended it, and somebody in the in the background of the congregation had looked up the conference or something, heard that you went to it. Yeah, it, yeah. Basically, um, someone had overheard something that one of our kids said about where we were, that mm -hmm. we were in Vermilion, Ohio. And yeah. if you could imagine a town of 500 or a few less than 500 Small and town. you have a major conference happening in the summer in this tiny little town, yeah. you Google Vermilion and it must have been one of the top things that popped up. <laughs> so yeah. someone, you know, I guess fancied themselves as, you know, armchair detective and, and uh, <laughs> thought they were doing the Lord's work, I guess. I don't know, but bless anyway. their hearts. Yeah. What were you going to say, Sean? I was just, I'm still impressed that your wife, thought a good anniversary getaway is a truth conference that is yeah. amazing that is amazing in fact uh one of the viewers jeremiah 15 16 she, she's quoting proverbs 18 22 he who finds a good wife uh finds a good thing and obtains favor from the lord and Hallelujah. you just describe that to the t because yeah i can't i mean you know that sounds like my wife wanted to go to a truth conference for our anniversary that's amazing brother it's a beautiful yeah thing. well you know we had we had heard about some conferences you know in 2017 and into early 2018 but most of them were far away um and you know i didn't get a lot of vacation time <laughs> to use and so timing just wasn't right and so what my wife actually heard about i think she heard an announcement on mark Sargent's uh channel hmm. and uh she was like nate check this out google this she's like this thing's like an hour and 15 minutes away it's on lake erie it's at this great retreat center like what do we got to lose <laughs> you know look um, at the logo it's got a that's a movable yeah. map in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's how we ended up out there. And uh, you know, my wife will she'll say, "Look, I'm not I'm not a prophetess or anything like that." But I, there was the Father's hand all over this. Um, when we went to this conference at the end, we were sitting in our car, and kind of we were about to pull out of the parking lot. It was late at night, and we had we were just driving back and forth at night to our home because we were cheap, and uh, we we were sitting there. It was dark out. And the conference was still going on and uh, they were finishing up a late night panel and we had to cut out of there because we were just exhausted, you know, from all these uh, sessions and whatnot. And we were sitting there like, well, what does this mean? You know, is God trying to tell us something? And uh, my wife said, she says, I just feel like you're going to be speaking at this conference next year. And I just looked at her like, what are you talking about? Like, where did that come from? How, how would you, how could you know that? Why would you even say that? Uh, and wouldn't you know, Chris Bailey got a hold of me when he found out what happened and, and what the story was. And and uh, he was like, Nate, we want you to come speak. And I was just I was just speechless for a moment. I'm like, wow, 
right. would think. This has to be from the father. I mean, we've had all these it's confirmations. Right. Yeah. And it's even a strong being, testimony. Yeah. I mean, I it was is. blown away. I mean, you've probably seen previous episodes of Found Common Ground. We interview pastors, and yep. it's like they've never even heard the information before. And then they're trying to process it in real time. And and then, you know, you can see the internal struggle because they, they're like, all right, what kind of answer do I give here? Yeah. You know, because they you know. know pretty few verses in Genesis chapter one, and then they're just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Recalculating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for yeah, me, I mean, like I remember uh, real quick, I was just to say yeah. you, you talked about how when you first heard the idea of maybe we've been lied to, maybe the whole world has been lied to about the shape of creation and the scriptures say something different than what we were taught. You first heard that idea and you kind of, you, you, you know, you decide, all right, I need to research this more. And you started doing your due diligence, which is admirable. A lot of people don't follow that path. A lot of people just revert to the programming, which is mockery. So I'm glad that you didn't, that you actually started researching. I kind of felt like you as well, whereas, you know, for 20 years prior, I had also been researching the word, studying the word every all the mm -hmm. time, went to seminary with, I mean, you know, didn't, didn't actually become a pastor, but thought, you know, thought about it at one point in my life because I love reading the Bible so much, not realizing that the father had been prepping me for 20 years of reading the Bible. That once I heard this information, I got this pit in my stomach, but not because I was afraid of the information, but because I felt like I missed something. And to me, that was a big deal because of my personality. I don't want to, if like I've always told people on my channel, if I'm going to talk about something or teach something, I'm, I want to know it from every angle possible and be able to defend it 10 different ways. Sure. Um, exegesis from 10 yeah. different avenues, right? I don't want to just say, I, I hate saying, oh, this is what it must mean or whatever, because yeah. I don't like teaching stuff I'm not confident mm -hmm. on. So to me, like my, my initial drive to research was, oh my gosh, have I missed this? Yeah. You know, and then I went right to Genesis one, then Genesis seven, the flood with the floodgates yeah. and Genesis seven eleven, And I was just, I was like, I think I've missed something really big here. Now at that time it was 2015. I didn't have a channel. I wasn't teaching anybody. I was just mm -hmm. working a regular job and doing things. So it was kind of a, you know, it wasn't a setting to where I felt like I was leading anybody astray, but I have to keep that in mind when I'm interviewing a pastor who I'm bringing this information to, to try to awaken them to the idea and think what emotions are they dealing with? Yeah. having taught the Bible for previously for who knows how long yeah. and answered questions and pastored privately and taught Sunday school classes. And, and are they going to start feeling guilt? Because mm. if they start to realize this, this is true, how are they going to respond to the people that they then have to yeah. go explain? Oh, Hey, you guys remember that lesson I did where I just threw all that eisegesis in there about, you know, space and universes and galaxies. Yeah. All that was nonsense. I don't know what I was talking about. Here's the truth. Like I'm sure there's a natural sense of fear that they deal with realizing that this is a huge moment to, to come to a different understanding on this topic. Would yeah. you, what do you think about that? Yeah. And I, I know some uh, people who have come to the truth of biblical cosmology who are in, you know, were in the same uh, religious group that I was in when I was fired. Um, and they had talked to their minister. Uh, this one brother had talked to several different ministers in the area, but he talked to his congregational minister and uh, all of a sudden, like the guy just quit and took a job somewhere else. And so it wasn't like he was fired. He just like within a few weeks, he like up and disappeared. And I told him and without any explanation. And I told him, I said, you know what I think happened? What I think happened is that because he was very slow and methodical um, about how he opened the topic. And he started with the whole top topic about Satan deceiving the whole world, you know, Revelation 12, 9. And um, 
And so he went through this for several weeks, just kind of broaching the subject of truth and deception and then kind of worked it into, you know, scientism versus the Bible without, you know, saying flat earth or biblical cosmology. And I think the minister was in agreement all the way through. And then when he kind of spilled the beans and said, here's the connection, what I think happened is he may have had that conflict of, wow, this is true. This is what the Bible actually says. And I think he was probably doing the math on that, saying uh, maybe he was convicted that he needed to believe this, but he knew that he could not teach that there for whatever reason. So getting others to believe kind of, is the, big, the big He kind of pulled a Jonah, I think, you know, not judging him, his heart. I don't know the brother, but I think he kind of pulled the Jonah and jumped on a faraway ship and was like, hey, I'm heading out. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there is that conflict. And, you know, the thing is, is that when we when Jennifer and I left the conference and we were doing this discussion, you know, we prayed in the car and uh, we said, you know what, let's not do anything drastic. Let's not make any sudden moves. We need to really pray about this because we've been studying this for, you know, about a year or whatever. And I said, we need to really just pray and see is the what what does the Father have for us, if anything, to do in this? And so we kind of decided that we would take about 40 days to pray. You know, that number 40 <laughs> just kind of seemed to have some significance. And so we, we were going to pray about it. And uh, my wife said, well, what does this mean for you and, you know, the church and for the elders? You know, how are you going to talk to them? Because she knew how convicted I was. And I said, well, let's pray about it. And I said, hopefully in a couple of weeks, um, I'll have a chance to maybe broach the subject of creation and whatever um, in one of our meetings. And what I'd like to do is, is see if they'd be willing to study some things. And I'll just start in Genesis 1. You know, we'll go from there. We'll just see what the Spirit can do to help us out. And uh, boy, it didn't take 40 days because it was about three weeks later uh, when I got a text message uh, on a Friday morning. Um, that was from one of the elders that said, uh, you'll be meeting with us in, at the church building in an hour. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> like, what's the deal? And uh, long story short, they wouldn't tell me what it was. And then finally, uh, I pressed one of the br brothers, one of the elders that I was probably maybe closer to, or at least had, you know, had a high opinion of his character. And I asked them, I said, I said, this seems like an ambush to me. And uh, he says, it is an ambush. And I was floored. I was like, wow, I can't believe he just said that. And so then, you know, I prayed again. I called my wife and she was on her way to work and she did a, a UE, you know, and said, I'll be back in 15 minutes. And yeah. we went to the building and, you know, had a very short but tense. I had a very short but tense meeting with the elders and I tried to engage with them. You know, well, what's the issue? Can we talk about it? Uh, they had already made the decision and I was told that it didn't matter because the decision was already made. And a piece of paper was slid across the table to me, um, basically saying I was fired effective, you know, immediately. And they'd turn my keys in and and uh, I was shocked. And, uh, you know, the spirit in that room was just it, it was it was not spiritual in, in the biblical sense. And uh, there was some anger present. Um, and when I tried to press a couple times for discussion, uh, things escalated and I was concerned that at least one of the elders was going to lose it. And so I just decided, all right, there's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. There's obviously no discussing this. And, uh, so, uh, 
my wife and I packed up my office, all my books, everything I had for 20 plus years, you know, and, and, uh, we didn't have anywhere to put it. You know, this was sudden notice. I mean, you know, the rug was pulled out from under us. And, uh, so we put all my books and stuff in the garage and I was sitting on the couch a few hours later after being fired and just kind of hit me. Like, I just felt like I needed to share the raw emotion that I was feeling and just share about the goodness of the father and, and seeking truth and that the Bible was true regardless of what anybody said about it. And uh, so I made that little video on my phone, just kind the of garage you, uh, the intro video that you guys yeah. shared. But, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, and we don't hold any grudges and we don't hold any ill will. Um, you know, uh, we pray for the members of the church and we pray for the elders and, and, and things. Uh, and, uh, you know, but the one thing that really, the one thing that bothers me is that I didn't feel like I was treated lovingly. You know, if, if you felt that somebody was in the wrong or if they were sinning, uh, you should treat them lovingly. You should you should have shown them their fault. And that was the other thing was not only did I not feel that I was treated lovingly, but I was never shown my fault. Not a single scripture was was shown to me to say, Nate, here's where you're wrong. This is what the Bible says. This is what you're believing. Um, and that just floored me that yeah. uh, because that's what the Bible says we're to do. <laughs> or even so, a simple explanation for why they were overturning your life. Yeah. No rebuke, I, yeah. no nothing. Exactly. And, you know, just long story short, uh, I believe that the gossip ensued and I believe that there were high emotions and I believe that the elders uh, had a knee jerk reaction and felt that they were doing what was right for the church at the time. Sure. And uh, unfortunately, as people know, in our American church model, most most of the time ministers are treated as a hireling right um it was easier for them to fire me and get a new minister than it was to deal with the people who were gossiping uh, and saying hey wait a second have you even talked to nate yet oh wait you haven't talked to nate what are you talking to us for you need to go talk to your brother if you have a concern none of those biblical precedents took place so that was the real thing that hurt um but you know, in time, we realized that it was it was a blessing uh, to actually be fired for these truths because it opened the door to other things, and it opened the door to uh, even more exciting <laughs> truths from His Word. So, Amen. Absolutely, yeah, brother. Pastor Nate, let me ask you a quick question. So, in in a typical church setting where you have a hierarchy structure of elders, yeah, um, pastors, deacons, teachers, and usually the elders are going to be older, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So in that setting, if I were to go into that setting as a, as a quote elder of a congregation, say, you know, some pick any random town in America, uh, church, 500 people, they've got their own elders and hierarchy yeah. system, pastors and associates. And if I was one of those elders at that church and someone came to me and said, Hey, there's a topic in the Bible that is intricately involved in the eschatology of the return of the Messiah is intricately involved in the resurrection and the dissension of the new Jerusalem, the actual land that you're promised to inherit at the resurrection. And there's a topic that's spoken of over 500 times in the scriptures. Um, and it's come to our attention that you're unaware of this topic. Scripturally, should an elder be seasoned and studied in the word? Absolutely. So yeah. with that perspective, that responsibility, Right. So the, with that perspective, what I've now just disqualified myself as an elder. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, the qualifications of elders, you know, 
uh, overseers, First Timothy 3, Titus 1, and elsewhere. I mean, these are very clear. Um, yeah. They're to be the ex an example to the flock, right? Um, and that that didn't happen. You know, there was a negative example given, and some people left the church immediately, and others kind of trickled out. And and many people who stayed, I think they were just kind of shell-shocked by what happened. But you're right. I mean, um, an elder also uh, has to be able to refute false doctrine. That's right. That's, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. So, and you if, said they didn't actually give you any scripture. No. What I was what I was exactly told was, we can't have a minister with that kind of association in reference to, basically, it was like an FBI. I felt all I needed was like a heat lamp, like three feet in front of me in the circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because basically, they said they started the meeting with a prayer, though, right? And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm just freaking out. You know, like calm down, Nate. You know, trust trust in the Father and you know, chill out. So I took a few deep breaths and right after the prayer, it was like, okay, we did, you know, we clocked in, we clocked out, we did our spiritual thing. We asked for God to bless this meeting. And now it's down to brass tacks. And when they slid the paper across the table, the the elder who was basically the spokes, the spokesman of the group did most of the talking. Uh, the one who was the angriest, it seemed, he said, it's come to our attention that on August, blah, 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 you know, you attended the Take on the World 18 conference in Vermilion, Ohio. I'm just like, what is this like an interrogation? I, I said, yes, we did. <laughs> like, yeah. and let's Honestly. talk about it, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they should have refuted, even if they were angry or upset or just confused or, you know, caught up in emotion or whatever, they should have said, Nate, we're concerned for you as a brother. You know, we're concerned for your wife. We're concerned for your children. Instead, it was just a transaction. Like, nope, we hired you. We can fire you. You're fired. And uh, to this day, I haven't had one elder engage me in scripture or even send me a scripture to try to prove that what I was sharing was wrong. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you just have to try to forgive and, and you know, pray and just say, you know what? Um, I know what I believe to be true from the scriptures. I'm not going to shy away from teaching that. I'm not going to do it in an unloving manner. I want to try to be patient. Um, and we do need to be super patient with people. And uh, I'll just throw a little teaser out there. Probably here in the next few days, I'm going to do a little video on my channel, Fired for Truth, about an individual who shortly after I got fired, I was having breakfast with a friend of mine. Uh, we were close. We, we talked Bible and everything when we went out to, to you know breakfast or lunch. And yeah. uh, he called me delusional several times in the course of our conversation. And uh, he was pretty fired up about it. And the conversation didn't end well. And we parted ways for months. Um, but he came back full circle. And I have an interesting story to tell about that. Uh, and this was specifically relating to biblical cosmology. So I wow. went from delusional to, Nate, you were right. This is what the Bible teaches. Um, and I'll share some more details. But I just, I just had to throw that out there because the folks who are going to tune into this live and then afterwards... You know, don't don't give up hope. Don't think right. that even if you get fired mm -hmm. or even if someone calls you a name or calls you right. crazy or delusional, that that means that you have no effect, uh, no, no opportunity to plant seeds. So. But, yeah, Sean, yeah. to your point, I mean, there's so many um, I, I believe that, you know, they elders that behave that way do disqualify themselves. Uh, obviously, the one who's the main disqualifier would be the chief shepherd. Right. Because they're sure. going to have to answer to him. 
However, Especially if he was the, there overseeing yeah. the proceedings. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, Sean and uh, Wes, you know, one of the things I've realized, too, that in our American system is elders are almost more appointed like board members, you know, and we read the scripture and they're qualified almost like a formality. But, you know, in my experience, the churches that I've served, um, you know, elders basically step down because they feel like they can't serve anymore or maybe they have health troubles or something along those lines or they die, you know. Right. Right. but, Nothing to do with being tested on their knowledge of scripture. Exactly. And yeah. I, I, my opinion, although scripture doesn't say, you know, every two years, you know, or quarterly or whenever yeah. elders need to be reexamined and, you know, it doesn't say that, but it, it doesn't. But first Timothy one, yeah. one, one through eight, Paul references to Timothy, this idea, and he goes through a bunch of Torah, by the yes. way, but he references, should anyone teach anything other than this sound? They're opposed yes. to sound doctrine. So, so there are you disqualifiers. Know, there, there really are. It's like how, how, like how much by percent? I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I'm just making this up on the go here, but by percentage yep. wise, how much of the scripture you don't know suddenly becomes a problem for you being a leader in a church? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and, then, and that's the part where the way it's structured, the average congregant doesn't have the confidence or the bravery to go up to that pastor or associate pastor and say, "Hey, yeah, um, you know, I, I've been researching this topic." And I wanted to see if you knew anything about it. Do you yeah. think that that pastor is just going to be like, no, I don't have a clue about that topic in the Bible. And if yeah. they did, if they did, what's the conversation? Because the reason I say this, Brother Nate, is because I was that guy. Man. I actually <laughs> I actually scheduled meetings with pastors in between yeah. services on Sunday. Went you know on a Tuesday or Monday, went to their private office on private time and sat down and asked them questions about the flood, asked them questions about early church fathers, asked them questions about you know, this idea of what are these Nephilim characters going on? Yes. What's happening here? Asking all the types of questions. They just looked at me with like a blank stare, like, well, um, I can point you to some resources. And then some of yeah. them would just try to make it up on the spot. Here's right? a commentary. Let me, let me just. Right. That. Yeah. Right. In fact, I remember I was in this one pastor's office. This is at a Presbyterian church. I was in a, a this one pastor's office in the huge bookshelf to my right. And I was waiting in his office before he got in there. So I'm scanning the books in the bookshelf and I see, one specifically by, uh, you know, uh, Augustine. And, you know, I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, trying to remember my my knowledge of Presbyterians, where they came from. I'm like, are they Protestants? Are they an offshoot of Anglicans? Are they, what, what's going on here? Um, so like, what? But I was like, oh, I'm not going to judge him for Augustine. I've read Augustine, right? So then I, I thought, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. And so then when I started asking him questions about the flood and about the, I remember that it was Augustine that was so adamant about pushing with the sons of God theory as opposed to the actual Nephilim being the offspring mm. of the watchers. And so, and that was the take that this guy exposed in the conversation we've, we, mm. we had following. And so it, it just made me, I started, you know, that's just one experience of many, but I'm piecing together this idea yeah. that it is very possible for a person that's a, either an elder or a pastor in a church. And sometimes that's the same position that they will, not always form their beliefs on the scriptures, but on commentary they were taught in seminary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember in the past um, asking older ministers who, who I respected, who were kind of mentors on different topics, you know, and uh, some of them were very good about sending me scripture and others would send me like Xerox copies of a section of a, you know, commentary or something with some underlines. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, was a minister for with congregations for 20 years. So I had people who would come and ask me questions or call, you know, during the week and ask questions. And, um, you know, it's, uh, 
but there were times where I got stumped on things, you know, but my attitude was always like, Hey, you know what, let me do some study on that. And, you know, can I get back to you in a couple of days or a week or, you know, I want to pray about it. I want to study about it. And so that's, you know, that's what's so challenging with, with what happened in my situation was that there was just no discussion. There was no, let's seek this together. Um, if there that's, was that's any hurtful. discussion, yeah, if there was any discussion, it was void of, of me. And, uh, you know, I had, I had someone, one of the elders, family members messaged me privately and was kind of in the middle of the conversation was kind of fussing at me to say, well, you don't understand what the, how stressful the last few weeks, you know, have been before, you know, for my dad, before you were fired. Um, basically he had all these people calling him and blah, 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 complaining about you. And I was like, I said, okay. I said, so what you've just told me is that your father and the other elders were guilty of gossip, that they participated in gossip against me and my wife, that they did not come to me privately and they did not send anybody who came to them to come talk to me privately. And that just really, you know, it hurt, but more so I was frustrated from a biblical standpoint because I'm just like, you know, um, nothing here is being done according to the scripture. Now, yeah. the one thing you could argue is that certainly in their minds, they were convinced that I was some type of false teacher. Um, so I understood from that standpoint, they felt like it was their responsibility to weed out the, you know, the false teacher. But then again, would you brothers agree that a false teacher by definition is someone who has taught something falsely. Yeah. That's what first I was just thinking. It's like, what did you teach? Right. First of all, I hadn't taught, I hadn't taught publicly. I was being so very cautious with our own beliefs. And I told the elders, uh, Oh, when they said you're fired and, and I said, uh, they said, we can't have you in our pulpit Sunday. And I said, well, guys have been in the pulpit for, you know, seven and a half years. When have I ever taught something that was my own, you know, soapbox or, and I said, uh, you know, I've had these beliefs for almost a year. So I've been in the pulpit about 50 times on Sunday and however many times on Wednesday night. Um, and I've never taught on this subject. And uh, I told him, I said, well, you know, I would have talked to you guys first before I would have done anything officially. But again, there was just no opportunity for that. And you know what? Um, I'm, I'm not going to blame them 100% because I think it's possible that the father may also have hardened their hearts in some respect. And the reason why I say this is because I was fired so quickly and so suddenly and completely removed of all duties and privileges and responsibilities and my keys and the credit card and anything. In such a strange way. Yeah. I was fired so quickly, guys, that um, I was freed instantly. So, you know, if this had been some long drawn out thing and still would have ended up in me being asked to leave or whatever, I just don't think that I would have been quite as, I guess, quite as driven and just had that fire to say, okay, I guess, I guess this is the father's answer to that prayer in our car right after take on the world. Okay. Yeah. What's next? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think you probably hit it on the, on the head when he said that. There, there may have been something spiritual at play that the father had hardened their hearts. I was just thinking before you even said that hearts have waxed cold, right? But uh, it's just, it seems that when I think about what those verses you were talking about earlier, about what a, a an elder should be, somebody that leads yeah. others in the faith, I just think that you really have displayed those characteristics just from every, every interaction and every 
um, thing that I've noticed in, in observation of you, brother, because you you have a, a such a strong prayer life that you 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 make sure it includes so many people. Let them know that hey, you're there to pray for them, and I, I don't see anybody else doing it like that. And you've just set it a great example, like you were talking about an elder should. And so uh, your attitude, your humility has just been phenomenal. And I praise God for you, brother, because we need more people like that to show yeah. to show the good fruit. Hallelujah. I mean, the whole prayer thing came about, you know, after I got fired and, you know, my wife, she was leaving for work every morning to her normal job that she had had for several years. And so I would go walking after she left. I would go walking in my neighborhood and I would pray. Sometimes I would just cry, you know, and pray and think about scripture and, uh, you know, just beg the father to, to, what do I do? You know, just tell me what to do. But what does this look like? You know, what does this look like for my children and for my wife? And, you know, you know, and it just, I started thinking, you know what, I need to just, it's good for me to pray and do those things, but I need to come out of myself, right? I need to, I need to start praying for others because there was so much focus on me and me getting fired and my YouTube channel starting and all these things. And I thought, you know what, I need to do just some grassroots ministry, something every week that I can do uh, that will bless someone, will cause others to do something that we know is spiritual for sure, no argument on. And so, uh, you know, I can't remember exactly when I started it. It might've been around the whole time in the fall where a lot of people are like, okay, I'm gonna take the Thanksgiving challenge, you know, and every day in November around a post what I'm thankful for. It was kind of one of those things that sparked that. And so I just started saying, you know, join me in prayer today for, and I would either list a, an individual or a group of people that we know are just going through something. And it's that little prayer thing turned into a ministry and, and it's still a ministry. Um, and even behind the scenes, I have people message me almost daily asking for prayers. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, they that's know you're good for them. They know yeah, you're good was, for I mean, it. that was the father's doing. He really just was like, okay, Nate, yes, you need to pray for me, but you need to get out of this, you know, what do yeah. I do thing and start praying for others. It's so interesting. I've, I, you're not the only person that I've heard said that they, they, they've had an experience or testimony of, they felt like the father told them to pray for other people. And just that kind of blows my mind that he would say, hey, I want you to pray to me for these other people. It's yeah. kind of, a, you know, different than what, how we think of things normally working. But it, it he does. Yeah. I don't, you're yeah. not the only one to say so. Well, I, needed that, I needed that prompting to minister to others, because even though I was hurting and needed to be ministered to and, and I was being ministered to by many people who had heard about what happened. Uh, I think the father knew that if I just stuck in this bubble of what happened to Nate Wolf and wasn't helping others, bless others, that that was not going to be a good situation. So I'm thankful that he urged me to do that. And and I didn't, honestly, I didn't know how well received it would be. Um, and I haven't posted recently. I haven't posted every day. You know, sometimes it's once or twice a week, but I'm just so busy with things. And, um, but I just like, you know what, let's see who needs prayer, you know, get a scroll on Facebook and just pick somebody. Hey, this person's yeah. having a rough day. Let's pray for them. So, you know, kind of a whole do unto others thing. Yes, sir. Prayer Nate, warrior. Can you I know. share a scripture with you guys real quick? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So since we are, you know, we're talking about your story of what happened to you and it's unfortunate. It's really sad. And unfortunately it looks like in the situation that you were in, it looks like they, they, in one hand, I know that you said they called you a false teacher, but on the other hand, it's like 
It's almost like they did not do the scriptures intentionally. Otherwise, they would have had to bring you before the congregation and expose the topic they disagreed with you on, which raises yeah. questions naturally. So mm -hmm. we're, in 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20, it says Paul's expounding to Timothy how to actually handle women, children, young men, deacons, elders, different people in the settings of the congregation. He goes on in 19 to say, do not entertain any accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So the people you're dealing with, they felt, okay, well, they were in the right there because of their, even whether their perception's right or wrong, they felt they were right in that way. But verse 20 says, but those who persist in sin should be rebuked in front of everyone so that yeah. the, the others will stand in fear of sin. So the, the crazy thing is they didn't bring you in front of everyone, did they? Yeah. No, and you know if they had if they had rebuked me privately and shown me scripture, right. and if I had a hard heart and refused to follow the plain teaching of scripture, then you know one of these other steps would have been the whole public you know exposing you know, and uh, they they skipped all those steps except uh, <laughs> the Sunday or two after I was fired, one of the elders did give a, a lesson, um, and it was about you know the importance of truth, which I say amen to, but did he, was, did he have a NASA logo behind him? That time? <laughs> no, but it was, uh, some of the people who were at least at the time were still in contact with us, basically messaged me and said, it was very apparent that the sermon was against you. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you know, beware of false teachers. And, um, what really cut our knees out from under us, but again, has become, I guess, a blessing is that that same, uh, Sunday after I was fired, or they had, well, I, I got fired Friday, but they announced it Sunday to the congregation, and, and all they told the congregation was, uh, we're going in a different direction with our pulpit, which is is not even like 20% of, of the truth, and so right. they basically didn't want to, uh, you know, and, and of course, they were trying to say, well, you know, we told Nate that this would be a private matter. Well, I never asked them to keep it a private matter. Yeah, in that they case, wanted like, hey, let's make this as public as possible. Let's talk. They about wanted it. it private because they did not want to be exposed for how they handled it, regardless of what the topic was. Sure. But sure. Uh, I just remember that a minister friend of mine in the Toledo area called me and he said, guess what? I said, what? He said, one of your former elders came by today and basically said that you were a false teacher and that we should be aware of you. I said, wow. I said, well, what did you tell him? I, he says, I told him, I know Nate. Nate is not a false teacher. And he basically blew the guy off. And man, that did my heart some good. You know, yeah. that blew him off. But that he said, no, I know Nate Wolf. That's stick so up. You're not you. telling me the whole story here. Mm -hmm. And so I found out that they basically went to the area congregations, uh, to the leadership of the area congregations, and slandered my name and told them that I was a false teacher. Again, before I had taught anything publicly, you know, along these wow. lines. And so, uh, you know, imagine being blacklisted from even other churches uh, right. of a similar affiliation, you know, within, say, an hour of where you live. <laughs> so I, I actually can't imagine that. I have a similar, can? Okay. similar story. Yeah. Then you're feeling my pain, bro. But I tell you what we did to start, and we're still doing it to this day because of just what a blessing it was to us. Um, we just basically decided that we just started a home church like the very next Sunday we started yeah. a home church very and cool. the, you know, we were wounded and I felt like I needed to protect my, my wife and my children. And I said, you know what? I know one place where no one will be able to kick us out. No one's going to fire us. No one's going to kick us out. 
or slanderous. I said, that's in our living room, <laughs> in our home. So we started a, a home congregation of sorts. And um, at the time, we had some a few people that wanted to come and fellowship with us. And we had uh, at least one of my boy's girlfriends that came and was studying with us and actually became a believer through that little home home church study. So awesome. it's really cool. And of course, now we keep the Sabbath, but we still meet on Sunday morning with our group, same group. We do a little Bible study together and we pray and, and we fellowship. Um, it's all good. Wes and I meet on Wednesday nights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is yeah, I just want to remind everybody, there's no commandment in the Sabbath that says that you only must go to church on the Sabbath, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is there ever a bad day to read scripture, pray, and fellowship? Sure, right. Encourage? Exactly. No. So, uh, so we're still doing that. It's still, it's just part of our family's DNA. Um, but uh, yeah, so we made some serious adjustments and, um, you know, it's uh, a man hard to imagine it's been almost three years september will be three years and so we we kind of uh, you know you wonder am i going to have a grudge am i going to you know be upset and yes we're still hurt i mean i can't say that we're we have no hurts but i can tell you that this last year when we heard that some of the elders were having serious health concerns and different things that were happening in the church we we prayed for them you know and this is not a pat on the back for us i only say this to say that that was how we knew that we were healed enough sure and that we didn't hold a grudge yes yeah. we still had hurts yes we still had regrets about how things were handled but we we realized like okay you know we can make we can make it through this and we should be praying for them um and uh, you know that was i think part of the healing process was praying praying for them as well so yeah. um just so you know, Nate, you never come off as somebody that toots their own horn, brother. You just represent the way it's supposed to be done, and you do so unto the Father, and it's it's real. I appreciate. Well, it. you know, I'm definitely an imperfect being, but I I just I've seen so much of people who don't practice what they preach, and I just want to be one who is known for doing that, even with my imperfections and and shortcomings, yeah. and and even when I sin, you know. Uh, and I, and I realize how, how real this is, too, for my children. You know, the example that I need to be for my children. And, uh, you know, I have three sons and a daughter, uh, 23, you know, down to 17. And so it's a whole new ballgame now that I've got four young adults. And uh, the stakes are so much higher with this last year or two with COVID and all this other stuff. I say, you know, I have to be serious because they're watching how we react. You know, if yeah. we just sat around making fun of people from the church and making nasty videos about them every week. Right. And I would have judgment against myself, but I would also, uh, you know, be a bad example for my own children. So I, right. I appreciate those compliments. I have to give all the glory to the father and just Amen. say, I hope I continue to be a blessing to others as they've yes, been sir. for me. So what I'm curious about is, and I do it. I also commend you for your attitude through all this. Um, it is your testimony, and, and every time I've heard you explain it, you're not coming across as uh, bitter or condemning towards the people that ill-treated you. So I, sure. I've noticed that. That's why I had you on my channel uh, two years ago, and that's why we yeah. still, you know, continue to to want to hear your testimony and hope people, other people to hear your testimony. Yeah. Because I, we believe, Wes and I believe that it is the right attitude to have. That even when people slight you, you're gonna have. I mean, it's not only are you commanded, if I could put it like that, to forgive them. Um, but it's good for you to forgive them, like for your personal heart, for your relationships. Otherwise, it becomes a bitter cancer that eats you from the inside. Sure. So 
especially when it comes from an unexpected place. Like if you're in a if you're in a situation where you know there's unbelievers and they're going to mock you for your faith or for your, your specific mm-hmm. belief on certain scriptures, that's one thing. But yeah. when it comes from fellow believers that you've been around for many years and supposedly they're going to, you know, they're trying to live their life according to scripture. So what I'm curious about is yeah. the counsel that that you were slandered to before they had a meeting with you. I'm wondering if they presented any scripture to them at that council to why they could justify calling you a false teacher. Um, because I, I would have let them in a fly on a wall yeah. in that in that meeting room to be like, what kind of scriptures are you providing? I mean, can you just go to a bunch of other believers, yeah. supposedly knowledgeable in the word, and say, hey, we had this guy who's been a pastor at our church for seven years. Well, we now found out he's a false teacher. And they're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Do what you will. You know, like I to me, I'm that whole dynamic of that conversation. I don't understand it. I love sure. it. I love no, that. That's a really camera. good question, Sean. And and I can tell you um because we I guess we were still on the bullet church bulletin list, <laughs> like electronic church bulletin. Yeah. And my wife was like, uh, shortly after I was fired, she said, Hey, there's an interesting new topic for Bible study on Wednesday night. I'm like, what? And she's like, check this out. So she, we're scrolling through the church bulletin and it says, there's an announcement that says on Wednesday night, the elders, meaning the all five, the entire eldership will be teaching a class on Genesis and creation. <laughs> Um, uh, and I used now, to believe in coincidences. Yeah. So now some of these elders, most of these elders are probably, probably all of them in some shape or form had been doing some Bible teaching in the church. So it wasn't unusual for an elder to teach a class, but, but it was super it. unusual for the entire eldership to say, we're teaching a class on this topic. So it was very clear to me that there was some pushback, um, and so they maybe had to kind of justify. I'm not aware of any specific scriptures that were shared. I know that the first sermon that was, you know, a polemic against false teachers <laughs> was uh, most of the people knew wh- who who the subject was. Yeah. But I'm not privy to any, you know, specific scriptures. I, I can tell you that one of the elders emailed me months ago um, and said that I was uh, a liar and then said that I was a Judaizer. Now, I'm not surprised that he called me a Judaizer, but right. he doesn't even know what a Judaizer is. They don't. Do they, they never right. do. They never now, do. Because a Judaizer is not what I was doing. You know, right. I was trying to uphold the laws of God. That's right. That's right. Um, and many of which they were following that they didn't even realize were Torah to begin with. But, you know, I was not requiring certain things of people. You know, I did not come down from Jerusalem and, you know, attack people and say, you got to do this and you got to do that. Um, so I I was called a lot of things, uh, labeled a lot of things, false teacher, Judaizer, you know, whatever. Um, I still hear but, about once a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just it's interesting. I mean, I we're in a small town, you know, mm-hmm. in the Toledo area. And uh, I run into people from church occasionally, and sometimes yeah. I've run into the elders, but uh, there's never been any engagement. Or honestly, I thought only because of the Father, you know, with with Him, with Elohim, all things are possible, and still maybe. But I felt like at, maybe at some point there might be some somebody, even one of the elders, you know, on the down low, you know, who might reach out to me sometime. And just say, hey, let's get together for coffee. Would you yeah. be willing to do that? If that was the case, I would definitely, I would be there. And you know what? I would bring with me what I brought to that meeting the day that I got fired. 
a notepad of paper and my Bible. That's what I brought to that meeting. Um, and I would say, let's talk scripture. You know, if we can yeah. at least agree to talk scripture, then even if we disagree, at least, you know, we're, we're putting the work in, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, it's been you know, a rough year, you know, because of, uh, on a lot of churches because of the whole COVID thing. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother topic, but yeah. Well, Pastor Nate, you know, being the show that you're on right now, uh, we like to do a lot of research. We also like to yeah. present scripture pertaining to biblical cosmology. Boy, I would have loved to have been in that meeting. Uh, where they started teaching this, their new biblical series. I would have been I that guy asking, really asking for scripture. Wes and I have actually searched the scriptures thoroughly, looking for um, any scripture that could possibly describe a ball in space. And so not finding it um, from pastors, uh, they can't seem to explain it. So, okay. yeah, so therefore we, we actually had to turn to an unlikely source uh, to look for the answer. And so we turned to Siri, uh, Apple Assistant, and we there said... Siri, uh, how many scriptures are there that describes the ball earth? And here's the answer. <laughs> yeah, that about sums it up. Yeah. I think yeah. zero was was maybe the answer no, we were looking for. There. There's no spinning wet ball rockets, as some have called it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me the amount of things that can be perpetuated, taught, reinforced, and defended yeah. that are just not in the book. It, yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons I started my channel, Kingdom of Context, is because that's what we were running into constantly. That's what I was running to for most of my Christian adult life. And um, when I started getting serious about studying the book, because I wanted to understand it, I just didn't want to be able to yeah. regurgitate memorized verses that I learned in Sunday school. Like I wanted to understand it because, you know, I love to read. I'm an amateur writer. I've self-published two books in the past. And I so what to me, context is like a huge deal. Right. It, you know, if you're trying to write a book, you have to layer the story, the, the character, the denouement, the setting. You have to put all that stuff in there. So when I approach the scriptures, I'm looking for all that stuff. And, I, you know, when I ran into this topic of biblical cosmology, I thought, how have I been trying to fit an entire story that takes place in a certain setting into a totally different setting that doesn't match? You know, that's what I was doing because I was trying to, I mean, I used to believe Ken Hovind's theory of the, the ice canopy that surrounded the globe earth and it melted at the flood. And that was the interpretive, figurative way of Genesis 7, 11, talking about the windows of heaven opening. It was actually just yeah. an ice canopy melting. And, oh, by the way, there's a, a further ice canopy and it can it be greater out there that we haven't observed yet that must be there 
uh, because it talks about multiple firmaments. I mean, this is Ken Hovind's theory, right? Well, so, I mean, it couldn't just be what the Bible says about the <laughs> Exactly right. It couldn't be as simple as just what it plainly is written and says. That's accommodative and, language, don't you know, because we just right. we can't understand what he's trying to tell us. Well, you know, Sean, I mean, I, I really, this is why I've appreciated, you know, watching your channel because of, I know your background. And, and when you interviewed me two years ago, you said, hey, you know what? I'm a preacher's kid, you know, like I get it. And been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And uh, you really just like, like me had, the, I've always had this desire to know the truth, right? Uh, a real, real desire to know the truth, you know, not for fame and fortune and all that, but I just really want to be able to understand it. And I also have a responsibility of what I'm teaching to others. Right. Um, but I tell you what, I mean, if I had just been given the opportunity to look at one chapter of the Bible and to talk with these men, these brothers about this, I would have selected Genesis chapter one. And you probably know where I'm going with this, but I mean, to me, uh, you know, the whole checkmate is when did the dry land appear? <laughs> When was the earth, you know, the Eretz, the, the dry land, where, when was that created? Check chapter one, if you're not sure. And then when were the sun, moon, and stars created? That was like mind blown for me. And now I have preached from that before. I had read that thousands of times, I'm sure. It never dawned on me because the layers of indoctrination, the veil of indoctrination was there, right? Um, the other thing that just really was so strong was those first few verses in Genesis chapter two, you know, I mean, it's just a book end and it doesn't leave any room for all this other, you know, infinitely expanding. Yes. Right. Yeah, it says there's, it's complete. No room. It's like, you know, the end mm -hmm. did it. Here's what he did. And he rested. And he rested. Right. <laughs> and then not only that, but see the first time that I got smacked with Genesis two, it was the biblical cosmology, but I still had that veil about the Sabbath. <laughs> and it yeah. wasn't until later that the father brought me back to the first few verses of Genesis chapter two. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. You know, um, I've been missing something here. So, yeah. And that was a direct result. You'd say maybe after like getting acquainted with this community of people who were then yeah. talking about other truths other than just, you know, the, the creation model, right? Sure. Sure. I mean, I'd love to hear some more about that. Cause I kind of got to witness it. I remember when yeah. you were doing live streams and you would say, we're coming to some new understandings and we're going to pray about it. We're going to spend another 40 days. We did that for months. And, you know, honestly, uh, I didn't feel a lot of pressure from people. There were, I mean, That's most good. people were just very like, take your time, Nate, pray. You're doing the right thing. Pray about it, study. And, but there, there was just a spirit among the many of the people that take on the world. Now, not everyone at take on the world uh, is a Sabbath keeper, was a Sabbath keeper, was keeping the feast. But a, a vast majority, I would say, at least from what we could look around, uh, ma definitely majority. And there was something about their spirit that just was very attractive. And, um, you know, that kind of carried forth with because of the spirit of some of these folks, they were, in my opinion, uh, approachable. People like Chris Bailey and others, uh, Zach Strew Herrick, My House Ministries, others. You know, I approached them. Uh, obviously, Rob Skiba, you know, down the road as I got to know Rob. Um, but Rob Skiba and I also, uh, to your question or your point about, you know, finding out about these things or what was the catalyst. Rob Skiba and I share something as well relating to uh, Acts uh, chapter 20, you know, 
Um, on the first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together to break bread. Which is uh, that one verse everybody goes to. Yes, I mean, I used to throw Sunday. that out there, be like, hey, man, communion Sunday morning. You when know? it just said they had lunch, you know. Boom. <laughs> and I can tell you this, another seed that was planted probably two years before I saw Robbie's video. And I didn't know what to do with it at the time. I smelled a rat, but I didn't know. I couldn't figure it out. So I kind of had to just table it. So you know what? I'm just going to pray about it. I'm not going to give up on it, but I don't know the answer. And as I was, uh, I just so happened to be going through the book of Acts a couple years before I got, you know, smacked with the biblical cosmology. And I was in Acts chapter 20, and I happened to be looking up uh, some of the original language throughout Acts. And I happened to look up uh, the Strongs and other uh, items. And I looked at that, and I'm like, it says Sabaton. Why, why is it first day of the week? Like I knew there was, there were Greek words to describe what the English translators were really interpreting. It's not a translation in that verse. It's an interpretation, Yeah. but they weren't using those Paul, you know, the original uh, Luke and, and others. I mean, they didn't use those words. And so it really bothered me. I'm like, well, and so what did I do? Well, I went to some commentaries, right? I'm like, well, what do these commentaries say? Well, you know, it's this thing called a Jewish Senite and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you take, you know, the sum of 15 divided by two, and then you got this over here. And, and I'm just like, it's okay. So then how how come 80 or 85 other times in the book of Acts, same book, same inspired author, yep. is using the same word, Sabbaton, okay? But they're translating it, the Sabbath, okay? Paul was preaching on one of the Sabbaths. You know, the Gentile said, hey... <laughs> Come back and teach us more next Sabbath, you know? And it just, I, I didn't know what to do with it at the time, guys. But the father was like, that's okay. You'll get it two, three, four years from now. Just hang on to that. So he planted that seed. And actually, Rob has a short video about that same thing. He had the same, you know, Did Satan uh, sabotage the Sabaton? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, it's not the first day of the week, folks. I'm sorry. Sabaton, yeah. you know, be consistent. There's some debate about that. I know there's some verses where Sabbaton is used where it's hard to not make it mean week, where it's hard to make it just about the Sabbath. But there, yeah, there's so many times where they only use it for Sabbath. It's hard to to say one way or the other. Was there some some foul play? Was there some misunderstandings happening? And of course, there's a you know there's an understanding too of of different Sabbaths and high Sabbaths as some people refer them to. But yeah, it just was a whole mind blowing thing. And so the father had planted some seeds. Uh, even years before where I got stuck, you know, um, and I didn't know what to do with it, but I knew I smelled a rat. Like I said, I was like, okay, uh, these guys have more degrees than me, but even I can use a concordance. Even I can do a little, just some simple word searching, you know, um, and discover that this is not a, a proper translation. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, we understand why that comes out in the interpretation and their translation. We understand why that is. Yeah. That's something that we figured out, Ken Heidebrecht and I on Honor Kings, we quickly figured out in season one, as we were going through these extra biblical texts and trying to look up translations of words and ideas mm. is that there's seems to be two different types of translators. There's uh, someone that translates a word and then someone that translates an idea. Yes. Now the idea requires an understanding from the translator. So if the if the understanding of the translator is built upon a denominational subjective belief that doesn't take the definition of the word into play, like Sabaton, 
then of yep. course they're going to translate it into what they think it should say. They're basically just instantly inserting their eisegesis yes. uh, of what they assume it should say, as opposed to just sticking with a with a literal, you know, one to one translation. So that's what we started seeing a lot, uh, and we started seeing it quickly, and that was like, wow, it's yep. mind blowing to us. Um, you know what I've wanted to do is I've uh, at this point in my life I don't have time for this, but if the father ever calls me to this, I think this would be really fun. Um, I would want to enroll in seminary again. And I would want to film the process and I would want to go for like a PhD. Um, and then I would want to like film, film the whole process, film the whole dissertation, all of it, and then see how they respond when I give them what I feel is a proper contextual definition based nice. context of scripture. Um, and just go into like, you know, uh, some type of seminary that I know disagrees with, with the actual scriptures that are plainly read and just see what happens, see what the response would be. But unfortunately that would be like a longstanding documentary over like four <laughs> or five years. I just don't have time yeah. for it right now, but nice. Bust out some, bust out some Miatone Sabaton. Yeah. To, to see what they say. So this actually brings up a really unique question uh, for you, brother, because yeah. we have, you know, we talk about cosmology and the shape of creation that as yep. the father described it on this for multiple, this is episode eight. Now we've, yep. we've had, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen any of the previous episodes so far? This episode, yes, I, I have seen, I have seen some, uh, okay. the last one, man, I'm telling you what the, the alien deception, I watched that whole thing just in one setting, even though it was over awesome. two hours and yeah. I mirrored it on my channel. So yeah, you did. Thank I'm you. Not, for that, I got to put this up. And I also saw the one, um, uh, with, the Mike. Oh, Mike Maranatha. Yeah, yeah that's Mike right. I saw you in the chat that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm listening to a lot of his music now as I'm driving around. My cool stuff. Yeah, yeah he's great. That was really good. So I've seen at least two. I think I've seen parts of others. Um, okay. But yeah, that was, uh, I was like, wow. I knew Wes, you know, was talking with you about, you know, starting this. And I knew when it was going to launch. And I just was like, wow, this is going to be really cool and interesting to see what you guys, you know, do with it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Like, and Sean's going to be there too. Oh, this is going to be great. So, yeah. Uh, so, so just I as you were talking about the Sabaton and yep. people, how people kind of, you know, some, one person has a different understanding of it, right? Because where they come mm -hmm. from. So our fun question for you is what, when we talk about the firmaments in scripture, yep. according to what you've been researching, as you just expressed your testimony and your journey along this path of, of cosmology, what, what comes to mind to you when we talk about the firmament? What's the first thing you would describe? I mean, there's no wrong answer. I'm going to yeah, throw up sure. some throw up some interesting stuff from episode one here in a minute. But uh, cool. what would you say in your understanding of the firmament, how it relates to cosmology? How would you describe it? Well, you know, the, there's a lot of different terms that people use. I mean, the the vaulted dome of the earth, you know, has been used. I, I mean, you look at the, you know, the whole molten looking glass motif. I mean, it definitely has the, the firmament. It's, it's the strength of his power. It's a physical creation, you know, that is manifested. And I do believe that it is, it indicates an enclosed system. Okay. So, you know, also when you, when you look at some of these scriptures that talk about the heavens uh, and even just the circuit of the sun mm -hmm. it, it, in the Psalms, it talks about can't remember which psalm it is off the top of my head but the there's, a really, there's a really awesome verse and it talks about the sun basically moving in its course from one end of the heavens to the other okay right. think about that for a second one end to the other right and there's nothing new under the sun as west pointed out in the last episode i mean it's all connected but yeah i really do believe that the firmament indicates a, a solid structure i believe that's where the windows of heaven um you know are 
embedded. Okay. Okay. Um, I do know that some people believe there are multiple firmament firmaments. That's not something that I've studied a lot on, um, right. but you know, it's definitely something I'd like to to dive yeah. more into. That's actually my question for you about the firmament was because yep. you mentioned this verse just a minute ago, Job thirty-seven eighteen. Yep. Um, this KGV translation, wilt thou establish with him for the ancient heavens, excuse me, yeah, foundations please. for the ancient heavens. And that is a plural term yeah. uh, that is used in multiple places. Um, I don't, while I don't have a slide for it, it's also, it's in lots of places, but one of the more famous ones is Deuteronomy 10, 14, uh, where it's talking about, you know, Yahweh the Most High is in the highest heavens. Sure. Uh, obviously, we have in Second Chronicle, Second Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 3, Paul references paradise being in the third heaven third heaven right yep. so a lot of people have thought that uh, a lot of people that come into this idea but, him up to the, yeah so I, he knew he was, I he was talking. so uh, what we've run into is that a lot yeah. of people talking about this subject is they they're new to it they come into it and they they start talking about the firmament and they do come to the, these very same conclusions because it's easy to, mm -hmm. it should be easy to come to those conclusions but the sure. scriptures are very clear um i also have you know amos uh here somewhere as well just it literally yeah, calls right. it a dome in amos so these are very clear that it is enclosed. It's a physical structure. It literally encapsulates of us. So you know, higher than where the birds fly, higher than the clouds. Yes. Um, it's actually enclosing where we live. And and so, but then there's other layers mentioned. There's other firmaments. There's Because in Genesis 1, 6, 8, is the, the word firmament is given the name heaven. Yeah. You know, and that word heaven is in, intrinsically plural as well. So it's interesting to see other mentions of multiple heavens throughout the scriptures. And so what what Wes and I did in, in episode one is we actually went through a lot of those scriptures. But then we actually found some some fun testimony from the second century A.D. Do you mind if I read it to you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So this was a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of Irenaeus from mm -hmm. Lyons. He actually taught. um a very, you know, he, he taught the commandments were one of the most important things for a believer to begin doing. Um, and that's in his, this is in his book, Demonstration of Apostolic Preaching. He taught, he, this is kind of like, imagine if you will, um, him being the bishop over this congregation in Lyons and new believers coming in. This guy, he, he'd written like cliff notes, if you will, for new mm -hmm. believers. Like, this is our faith. This is where we come from. Here's a little blurb about Abraham. Here's a little blurb about, you know, uh, King David here. You know, so he goes through the whole thing, yep. goes through Jesus and everything. So he, he explains it all in a short little cliff notes. He gets to the part about the firmament. And this is what he, in his second, this supposedly was the disciple of Polycarp. Yes. Who supposedly was a disciple of John. Yeah. Right. The guy who wrote Revelation. And so. Here it is. He says, now this world is encompassed by seven heavens in which dwell powers and angels and angels and archangels doing service to God and the almighty and maker of all things, not as though he was in need, but that they may not be idle and unprofitable and ineffectual. Wherefore, also the spirit of God is manifold in his dwelling in dwelling and in seven forms of service is reckoned by the prophet Isaiah as resting on the son of God. I think that's an allusion to Isaiah 11 and mm -hmm. Revelation chapter one. So that is the word in his coming as man. The spirit of God, he says, shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of godliness, the spirit of fear of God shall fill him. So he goes on to say, now the heaven, which is first from above and encompasses the rest. Mm. So, so just for the viewer out there, guys, if you didn't hear me earlier, and if this is your first time to catch the show, Genesis 1, 6 and 8, explains to us that this word rakia, this word firmament, was given the term, the reference as heaven. So this Irenaeus guy says there's seven of them. 
And oh, West Plays, I think my you're bad. on mute. My bad. I yeah, said after cool. already having said on Genesis one that the first day he created heavens plural. That's right. And heavens. That's right. On. Genesis one one. And guys, I used to think that Genesis one one was just a summary statement, and then Genesis two through thirty one in verse one in chapter one backed up and expounded upon that summary statement of Genesis one one. But I was wrong. Genesis one one should be read as plainly as as the rest of it. <clears throat> heavens the plural, and the earth. Now, the earth was still formless and without void. He fills that out later. But on day one, he creates these other six layers. Now, the layer that encompasses us, which would be the last and seventh layer on day two, that's what he expounds about in Genesis 1, 2 through, 2 through 8. But right here, he goes on to say, now the heavens, which is first from above and encompasses the rest, is that of wisdom, and the second from it of understanding. Now he's attributing these attributes to each layer right. of the firmament, right? The third is counsel. The fourth reckoned from above is that of might. The fifth of knowledge. The sixth of godliness. The seventh, which is the firmament of ours, is full of the fear of the spirit which gives light to the heavens. For as the pattern of this Moses received the seven-branched candlestick that shined continually in the holy place. For as a pattern of the heavens, he received this service according to that which the word spoke to him. You shall make it according to all the pattern of the things which you've seen in the mount. So this guy, Irenaeus, disciple mm -hmm. of Polycarp, claims that this thing in the temple was patterned after the multiple seven layers of firmament of the creation model. So it would just, of course, be yeah, like that. Inverted. I see what you... Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It is very cool. It really yeah. is. And no wonder, considering that, you know, seven's God's favorite number, seven days in the week, yeah. seven yeah. angels to the seven churches, seven bowls, seven plagues, seven mm -hmm. <clears throat> trumpet judgments, I should say. And then, seven know. years of seven years of planting. The seventh is a Sabbath. The, the Jubilee is counted literally by a factor of seven. Can you All throw up that image by chance that I just sent to you, Sean? This is something oh, we didn't sure. get to present in the first episode that I love to show Pastor Nate. Sure. Yeah. My brother, because, um, and you're going to see a figure here on the left. Then you're going to see the uh, the same image that was just on that last slide of the the creation with the different layers of the firmament. And that figure on the left has got some numbers, and I just so happen to use you know the the seven colors of the rainbow. But no, it doesn't have anything to do with chakras. However, it is what it's going to be showing. Yeah, sorry guys, one second, my computer's okay. running slow. I, no I, think I saw that on Facebook. Did already. you? Okay, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so you got this this man with uh you know how when you would draw. Um, when they teach you to draw people, they're usually the average male, adult male, is exactly seven heads on average uh, in height. And so you got one head all the way up till seven heads. And then they call this right here, right? They call that area your temple. Mm. And I thought this was so interesting that I connected this together here that mm -hmm. in, in the creation model, in the highest heaven, there is the true tabernacle, the, the heavenly yeah. temple above. Yeah. Wow, which is which cool. is the one that Moses saw on the mountain pattern things after on the ground. Yep. That's it's so fascinating uh, how much this goes into play. So basically what what Irenaeus is affirming what what Westblaze is also comparing uh, with mm. with this example here is to me like it, it validates Hebrews chapter 8 1 through 5 as well. Yep. Yeshua is in this temple above which it goes on in verse 4 and 5 to say which is what Moses patterned it after in the mountain. So in Exodus 25, Exodus 26 and 27 Multiple, each in the, each of those chapters, the father tells him, Moses on Mount Sinai, everything you're seeing, I want you to pattern and make this tabernacle on the ground, or at least the things on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, where you have other people that have uh, 
suggested that the tabernacle that Moses and Aaron built in the wilderness wasn't a rectangle, but instead was yeah. a dome shape. You see what I mean? So how interesting yeah. if, if it was being patterned. Yeah, Project yeah. 314. Yeah. To yeah. me, that's just wildly interesting if that's the case because of the rest of the descriptions of the multiple layers of ferment, yeah. which in literally was patterned after the candlestick. And there's a greater outer layer that encompasses all the rest. And that was the one that's at the top that the Father dwells on that layer. So, you know, Pastor Nate, I'm sure being in this topic of conversation, hearing other people talk about the shape of creation not being a ball in space, you probably heard like we have a lot of people talking about, well, maybe they're the reason why the government would lie to us about this topic is because they're hiding more land. Mm, yeah. So yeah, is I've it possible that. <laughs> that is it possible there's something to that? Yeah, I mean, I guess there could be, you know, I mean, I, I've never... Uh had the opportunity to go research, uh, you know, physically go out there. Sure. And then of course there's a lot of stuff relating to Admiral Byrd, you know, and, and, uh, his diaries and different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I've noticed that, you know, you have this whole dichotomy. Some people say, Oh, well, you know, if we, if we don't say that the uh, universe is ever expanding, aren't we kind of minimizing the amazing creation of God? No, absolutely not. You know, in fact, we're actually legitimizing it because we're taking him at his word, right? We're not just making something sound cool because we think that's amazing. <laughs> um, but in the same token, you know, maybe we've shrunk some things, you know. I mean, unless we unless we're able to literally fly around and see all that, you know, uh, I think there is definitely a possibility. Um, it's intriguing. Yeah. Well, so what, what Wes and I would just put forward for consideration is that um, I don't know if there's any land that they're hiding within the firmament we're enclosed within. Mm. Possible, especially if, if you went directly south of Hawaii. But I also Except wonder. The maps. Yeah, at least from, not the, their maps. Yeah, you're right. It's it's they're, the maps we have today. They've definitely been altered to hide these things. But if if it was there in the past, but definitely from a theological standpoint, from a scriptural basis, as far as taking our mind off of what the creator has said so much in the book, which mm -hmm. is where he lives, which is above us, you know, and this is where the angels live as well with him. Yes. And there's all these other validating texts that talk about the angels living on actual multiple layers of the firmament. Um, I even did an entire show about the specifically the army that comes back with Yeshua, that specific army of angels mm -hmm. apparently lives on a specific level of the firmament. They're just waiting. That's their whole intended job is for the day of the Lord. And so, it's very interesting that we have these other archangel style guys mentioned in scriptures, Gabriel, Michael, you know, these other people that we see referenced both in the canon and other canons around the world. And it says they are archangels, meaning they're in higher authority and that they actually live in the top layer, the sixth layer. Yep. So it's very interesting to think of what, or at least the, the, the question that I try to ask folks when they start coming into a biblical cosmological understanding, which is if, if Genesis one says that we were made here and enclosed here and he's bringing down the place where we're going to live forever, which mm. the descriptions of that new Jerusalem, that land of promise, there's there's mountains, there's trees, there's water, there's streams, there's, there's animals. There's all these things inside that. What does that just mean that there's actual land above us? Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. And, mm. I mean, trust me, on this end, uh, my mind has been challenged and blown in a number of ways because the, you know, what I used to teach and believe in the, the religious, you know, milieu that I was in, I mean, uh, we're talking a lot of, uh, 
you know, beliefs that would not be consistent with what you're describing. You know, it was very, you know, uh, amillennialist. It was very, there's a lot of things that I've had challenged and even changed, you know, and, uh, you know, um, scriptures that mean what they mean, but have been misinterpreted. Like my kingdom is not of this world. That means he's not coming back. You know, there's not going to be anything physical. Um, you know, I used to believe that the thousand year reign was not, you know, it was figurative, right? I mean, that was, that was something that I had been taught, you know, that was the, the group think that I was in. And so some of these things, you know, that you're sharing are, are pretty uh, interesting to consider and uh, exciting too, you know, Hey, I mean, that's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. And I mean, one of the scriptures, Isaiah 66, I mean, that chapter, there's some stuff in there that blew me away relating to the Sabbath because you know, when I looked at Sabbath, you know, people say, oh, well, that was Mount Sinai and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a second. How about how about we have Genesis chapter one? Then we have Sinai. But then what about Isaiah 66? I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, after the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I can't get around that. Like, that's what that's what the father said. Right. So it really just blew my mind that, wait a second, um, I have to challenge some more stuff yeah. that Nate believed and taught for years and years and years. Um, just See, that, exactly, right there, you, 22 you, and following. Yeah, you came out of that place of, uh, I think I, I know a lot to, oh, wow, I, I didn't know what I thought I did to, wow, yeah. I just, I, I don't know anywhere near what I thought I knew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's why I'm very honest. You know, when <clears> folks <throat> ask me questions, it's funny because people are like, oh, well, You've been a minister for how many decades? Well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> what it means is that I've I, I've always endeavored to be as much of a, a student as I am a teacher. I've always told people that because I've seen when I was younger and starting in ministry, I've seen some of these guys that had 26, 30 years in, and they just put the word back on the shelf. Like yeah. they knew it all. They didn't need to keep studying. There wasn't anything new for them to discover. There certainly wasn't anything to challenge them their own beliefs on. Yeah, right. um, to sharpen themselves, you know, test myself to see if I'm in the faith and to see if I'm, you know, teaching the word. So this scripture blew me away, you know, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, will endure before me. Okay, so hold on a second, you know. Talk uh, about eternity. Know, we're not in the new heavens and the new earth right? Yet. So it just was like, you know, Genesis 1 and Isaiah 66 and then other, you know, scriptures from the prophets. Um, and even Revelation, it was like bookends, right? It's like, okay, don't try to throw that Mount Sinai, you know, twist on me because mm -hmm. you're missing the beginning and the end, you know, and everything in between. Yeah. So powerful scriptures. But yeah, Sean, I mean, the, that's something I need to study more about, you know, uh, about the, the, the kingdom. Um, yeah. It's, it's exciting stuff. That's the ironic part is that both uh, Chris, before you came on, take on the world to announce our, our invite there as well as yeah. some of our conversation we've been having with you tonight um, about Uncommon Ground and, and you guys liking the show that we're doing so far, which is ironic yeah. to Wes and I because we actually haven't even gotten to the episode yet where we explain the Uncommon Ground title. Okay. So, you're, <laughs> so like, what you're saying is I got to stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll like I, I see what we you are. There. We're building to something. So I, yeah. I think it's fascinating uh, to us how you know that one of the, the first video I ever did on my channel, Kingdom of Context, was about the kingdom of God, and specifically yeah. how Yeshua taught that message. Because to me, that was something I noticed after I came to the awareness of, of the Father's instructions were still completely yeah. applicable to my life. After I came to the awareness of biblical cosmology, 
the next thing that started hitting me was the day of the Lord. It was, it, for whatever reason, the father was pointing out everywhere. I used to be in this group, this uh, secret Facebook group, and I would, uh, I would try to get people to engage with me about the topic of the day of the Lord so I could further study it, right? So I went yeah. through every book in the Old Testament and pulled all the verses out that talk about the day of the Lord and made a categorized file and would post yes. them in this group trying to get people to interact with me, but no one, no one really would, except, except for Ken Heidebrecht, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I, I started saying, there's something here. Like no one's talking about that. Yeah, everyone talks about Jesus come back. We all believe that. Hey, man, hallelujah, right? But yeah. wait, wait a minute. There's so, there's so much more here. There's literally thousands of descript of words being used yeah. to describe in Isaiah alone. There's oh, 4,500 yeah. words in Isaiah that describes, mentions, or explains the coming of the Lord and the kingdom come. Mm. And and I'm sitting there going, this thing is prophesied as as Chuck Misler would say. It's pro the second coming is prophesied eight times more than the first coming. Mm. Hmm. So like, why am I not, why do I feel so limited in my understanding of the second coming when I read these passages? I have no clue what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. And I keep running into these passages that talk about the day of the Lord. So that was like my next little rabbit hole. I started digging, digging, digging. And then, then that quickly led to the resurrection, mm -hmm. realizing how much that was being referenced everywhere in the Old Testament, not just in 1 Corinthians 15, but everywhere mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. So there's, there's more here. There's a lot of description about this event. This seems to be like a huge event. What's going on? And then I realized... Oh, wait a minute. It's because this was the message that Yeshua was trying to talk about everywhere he went. The gospel all the of the kingdom of the God. The gospel of the kingdom. Every single parable he talks about, he's like, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven yeah. is like that. And I'm like, man, that never yeah. sunk in with me because I too had taken this interpretive belief that was taught to me, Luke 17, 21. Oh, the kingdom of God is within you. We're, we're now expounding the kingdom of God in our life, trying to make life and society better and better. It's like yeah. this partial preterist type of view that I've been taught and I thought was you know somehow applicable, but I never really questioned it. So it, it, to me, it was like one thing that just kept, it kept knocking down another block and knocking down another mm -hmm. block. And then before I know it, I found myself realizing that I was looking for videos about pastors trying to explain the gospel, the kingdom of God, and I couldn't find them anywhere. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'm, and I was talking to my wife. I was like, well, we're going to have to make a, make our own videos, <laughs> you know, like just volunteered myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we started off with that. And my reactions was the reactions to those videos were no one understood it at all. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to have to like break this apart piece by piece. I'll make a bunch of videos on the resurrection. I'll make a bunch of videos on the creation. I'll make a bunch of videos about Torah. I'll make it because it all goes together. If you don't understand Torah, you're not going to understand your Messiah's job as your high priest, which mm. is that job qualifies him to resurrect you from the death and day of the Lord. Which, which is going on in a physical place. <laughs> which is going on in a physical body that gets resurrected from the ground into the new Jerusalem, which is a real place with land, water, and trees that's above you right now waiting to descend. And I'm like, this whole, this whole story is mm. all these pieces are connected together. And I was, I felt so far behind in my understanding of these things because I had had this strange lens going up, growing up through, you know, churches and things like that. Yeah. So no, no, uh, no slights against anyone that's, a part. I say this often on, on these shows, like if you've been a part of a church, if you're actively still a part of church and watching this show, there's no slight against you. We love you, brothers and sisters. We want you to we want you to continue to study the word at all costs. We're not chastising you if you don't get something yet that we're talking about. We're just Absolutely. simply with love trying to introduce you to new concepts and challenge you to study further. Because I, you know, I jokingly call myself a word nerd because I study the Bible all the time. Like it's when other dudes were out partying in their twenties, I was studying the Bible. So yeah. 
because I wanted to, it was it became like a puzzle to me that I couldn't figure out, and that that just drove me to keep yeah, trying to read it more, desire. you know. Yeah, yeah, and it is a lifelong study. I mean, yeah, some of the people I respect the most uh, in various churches that I served before were some of these really old dudes and and dudettes, but really, you know, eighties and nineties, and they'd be still studying the word. And I'm just like, man, I want to be like that ninety-four year old guy that's studying the Bible every single day, you know. And he hasn't put the book up on the shelf yet, you know, because he realizes that I need that every single day. And he was even using, you know, words about um, how he was learning new things. Yeah. I was like, that's exciting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's the way we should be, because I think, you know, uh, all the word nerds can unite and probably agree that, you know, we'll be we'll be doing this diligent search for our entire lives. Right. Because the because the Bible is so amazing in that. And and we're constantly reevaluating and challenging, and you know I've I've changed uh, my view on some things, and some things I've studied out in more detail and come full circle, and I'm just as convinced in the same belief as I was before. You know, it covers all all gamuts there, but yeah, I mean, there's so much to study, and I I really have appreciated, um, you know, so many people that are diligent in that because like i said when i started this new job this last year you know i was really feeling uh, a burning desire to do a couple of things number one i was really wanting to pay the bills and provide <laughs> for my family which i feel is biblical right. and number two i wanted to you know we had lived in toledo at that point when i got hired almost nine years and really have been kind of in the fishbowl you know well we hired you here to help the church you know which so, okay, 200 people, you know, what about outreach? What about this? What about that? And, uh, you know, it was just too much of a, a little bubble, right? And I realized that I wanted to do something that would um, help me to serve my, the greater community around me as well and get to know what's more, more about what's going on in the community. Um, and so I haven't done, you know, teaching items since I've started this as far as like YouTube, official YouTube stuff. And so I've appreciated channels that have continued and have grown and, and partnerships like yourself, like yourselves, because I've been able to still glean, you know, from those. And I didn't feel like, oh, man, you know, um, if Nate Wolf stops teaching, then the, the truth just doesn't march forward. You know, I was totally fine with, OK, Father, you know, I couldn't I couldn't buy a job for months and months. I tried. I even interviewed and got told I was going to get a call back. And nobody would hire me. And then all of a sudden, this job came into play. And and uh, not to hijack what you were talking about, Sean, but it came full circle. I mentioned this at the beginning. You know, before I went into full-time ministry, um, I did social work in Alaska for the state of Alaska. And I was a case manager uh, for children who were in state's custody. And then I switched over to the investigations unit. And so I did yeah. investigated reports of harm and neglect and abuse. And then I got a wild hair for a short while and decided to be a patrol officer for the city of Anchorage and passed the academy and thought I was going to be, you know, doing that for 25 years. I remember hey, about that. that. Tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that book. And long story short, you know, I, I thought when I quit the police and I went, decided I needed to be in full time ministry. A lot of people looked at me like I was crazy, but I just knew what I needed to do, right? I just knew that I got to do this. If I don't do this, I'm going to die, man. You know, I got to do, I got to follow what I feel the Father is telling me to do. But uh, isn't it interesting that 20 years later, the Father knew that I was going to not be in the quote-unquote 
traditional congregational ministry and that I would need a way to provide for my family and I would need a way to serve my community. And uh, I had the experience that I needed. Uh, I had more than the minimum requirements for this job that I have now. Um, and I'll just say it's in social services. It works with vulnerable populations of people. And uh, I am an investigator. So um, it's come full circle. And it's yes. like, okay, Father, I see what you did there. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the studying aspect, if we ever just decide, nope, we know it all, or there's nothing new that we can learn and share with others, um, then we've missed it. And if we do have a burden to teach and preach, you know, then we need to do that appropriately. And uh, who knows, I may do some more content in the near future. I still haven't exhausted some of the ideas I've had relating to biblical cosmology. I just haven't had certain topics um, studied out like I'd like to. I want to show you guys something real quick. I, yeah. I mentioned this on my Facebook, but I don't know if you've seen this book, but my yeah. wife brought this that. book back from Alaska. She went to visit her family who was moving cool. out of Alaska, and they're packing all these books up, and she, and she shows me this book, and it's of 1954, originally in 1940-something. But cool. this is all pre-NASA and pre-Antarctic Treaty and all of that. And you see I got the like colored tabbies on here. Like yeah. You guys can see that. I do have a few things I want to share on my channel. Oh, I can't wait. Are quite interesting. Cool. Some perspectives from this book. So uh, I feel what I like thought maybe, was cool. What I thought was yeah. cool about that is that not only did it have the azimuth like with just a map, yeah. but that guy, if you notice, look real close, he's holding oh, yeah. a sextant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so he's using a tool that's dependent upon a geocentric yeah. cosmology. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. As well. There's some neat stuff in here, uh, but there's several maps in here. And some of them are definitely like the cover. But uh, there's some statements in there about science and different things that I, I feel are quite interesting. So I'll probably share some of that. But And they can find that over on Fired for Truth when you get back to, to making another video yeah, right? on yeah, YouTube, uh, Fired for Truth. Definitely, definitely. Fired for Truth is still up. Mostly what I've been doing this year is mirroring videos that I thought were of good quality, but I'll, I'll have some new content up hopefully in the next few weeks. And some awesome. of it will, will come from that book. Um, one of them will be the testimony I told you about the friend that had called me delusional and now doesn't think I'm delusional, which oh, is great. Man. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, invite him to come on. We'll have you guys both on for a show. We can all talk about it together. I'll, I'll behave myself. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he wrote me a text and I could tell he wasn't, he's not the kind of guy that jokes around about stuff. So when he told me, Hey, I owe, I owe you an apology and he was sharing some stuff. I was like, wow, this is really cool. That's awesome. And, um, uh, he get me got me this cigar. He's like, I owe you this cigar, man. And uh, I don't smoke cigars, but he gave me this cigar, and he and he wrote on the cigar, "It's flat in a black indelible marker." Nice. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I don't know people that know about cigars. The cigar is, has some flat. It's a flat sided cigar, mm -hmm. so it oh, still has the cylindrical, but it has the flat sides. And uh, I just thought that was pretty hilarious. And so yeah. he asked me if I was going to smoke. And I said, no. I said, man, this is a, a victory memento. Said, this, <laughs> this will be passed down through the generations of wolves, you know. <laughs> exactly. So speaking anyway. of that, I, I go, what were you going to say, Sean? Uh, just real quick before we move yeah. too far away from Nate, yeah. you're talking about doing your current job with yeah. the social work and, and yeah. investigations. I just want to, I know you're already encouraged. You already told us that you're, you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. I just want to hopefully add more encouragement, but because when you told me about that before we started the show, I was just sit there and going, you're still in pastoral care. Yes. And specifically you're ministering I, to people every day. You are. And even very specifically, you're actually doing the duty of a Levite in the old Testament. 
mm. was specifically a priest that would judge matters and also have to investigate where there's abuse of Torah. So, I mean, that's, that's all you're yeah. doing, brother. It's amazing. You're literally practicing for the priesthood that you'll inherit at the resurrection. Hey, it's, man. A, it's beautiful. Yes, well, it I tell is. you, I mean, uh, it is a really challenging job. And part of the reason why you're not seeing me doing content in the evenings is that some days I'm really drained emotionally, physically. There's been some days where I've cried on this job. There's been some days where I felt like quitting because uh, just a stressful situation. And, you know, I, I do... I do feel for people, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, as you guys know, in some situations, it's really hard to be objective, right? But um, I appreciate that reference because in, in the investigative process, you know, uh, I have certain rules and regulations and statutes that I follow, right? That's what determines yeah. whether or not something is going to be investigated or not. And it also tells me how I have to proceed in that investigation. But I also have to look at the facts. You know, I do interviews, I do scene visits, I do things to interpret the facts because I want to find out what happened and how can we prevent it from happening again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, could you imagine um, having to judge between people and families and, and, and tribes and things? But, yeah, it's uh, I really feel like the Father has me there for a reason, and I don't know if he wants me in this job for another year or if he wants me there for 10 years, 20 years. I don't know. Um, it has been kind of humbling and, and kind of stressful at times because I feel like, you know, for 20 plus years, I was basically in one box, right? It's like yeah. the book of my life was like, in a sense, one major chapter. Nate is a congregational minister. That's what he does. And then the last three years, it's like I've had these different phases it's like Nate's the, you know, biblical cosmology guy. And then, oh, now Nate's doing this Torah thing, you know, and keeping Sabbath. And now Nate's got this day job. Like, what? He hasn't done any new content. Hey, hey you know, but Paul, I'm, I'm just Paul converted. To yeah. Paul went all types of places, was flexible, had to build tents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're Wherever just an apostle. Texas. Just being an apostle, and, brother. Did you ever and, read uh, the book of Susanna? Uh-uh. So it used to be in our Bible before it was taken out in the 1880s. Wow. And um, the book of Susanna actually goes into greater detail about Daniel and his time in Babylon. Mm. And it specifically calls Daniel a priest, which I think is fascinating information that I wish we'd always had. Yeah. During the story, he actually has to come to an investigation of a, of a crime um, mm. against Susanna. And so he, he has to deduce. It's like yeah. a little, it's like a, a early Sherlock Holmes. It's amazing. And so this is what I'm you. hearing from you is that, you're doing, you know, priestly work and literally to the point of investigating wrongdoing. And I just want to commend you for it, brother. It's awesome. Thank yeah. you. I, I appreciate that encouragement. I, I need to hear that because mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. There are some days when you get bogged down with, you know, the seedier sides of life and you see people being wronged, you know, and people being hurt. It does. It does frustrate. And sometimes I'm kind of like, man, why am I doing this? You know, why, why didn't the father grow my YouTube channel? And why didn't he do this? And why didn't he do that? And it's like, you know what? Uh, if I'm just seeking his will daily, then I am in his will. And, and uh, so I, I need that encouragement too, to just say, Hey, for whatever reason, this is where he has you be, be faithful in that, you know, and who cares about your YouTube channel? I Nate, care. I want to lift you up too, brother, because I, <laughs> I can't help but say right now, this whole show, I have noticed because my cheeks are sore right now that I just got this huge <laughs> smile that I'm fighting off, I think. But because yeah. it's just because you have such a warmth about you, you carry this father figure type, 
attitude that just is natural and that it's just uh it's such a great example and that you, you just radiate the father's love and i i'm i'm overjoyed to know that you do that for people that are oppressed people that are needy people that are are in need of that and and you should absolutely feel encouraged that you do a good thing and so thank you thank for you. all that you do brother yeah and, and pray pray for those that i work with too because you know um it's folks from all different walks of life and i don't know uh, if I'll have opportunity, you know, to share specific things at, at different points. I mean, we've basically been working remote during this whole COVID deal. So we have hardly been in the office whatsoever, uh, but they're starting to loosen things up and um, allow us to do some of that in person. And I think cool. down the road, there'll be a lot more in-person opportunities. And so Great. pray for those, you know, pray for my coworkers and, and the people in leadership in this agency that I work for, and, yes, sir. you know, cause there may be some further fruit down the road that can come out of, uh, me just trying to be faithful each day and trying to be humble, trying to be as patient and loving and professional and, you know, let that light shine. I mean, uh, people will not mistake that light, right? Because that yeah. true light is unmistakable. Yeah. So that's what I try to do, you know, and uh, it's been challenging. It's been rewarding. And uh, but I am excited because it seems like for whatever reason, all of a sudden the father's like, OK, I need you to go go on a few YouTube channels and share some stuff again. It's like, OK, this is kind of cool. You know, as I'm with Robbie Davidson. Uh, celebrate truth talking about the war on worship you know I last saturday night mm -hmm. episode 111 which blows me away and then you guys invited me i'm just like okay this is kind of weird but cool you know like all right i guess i need to dust off my you know <laughs> see because my my studio it became a studio by generous donations and people that helped me to be able to run a youtube channel and then it became basically my office for work and it's where i do all my zoom stuff and all of that and uh, so it's it's been quite a blessing. The studio is like doubling, you know, office studio, office studio. Yeah. So Father knows what we need to succeed. Yeah, he, he sets us up. He get, keeps us rolling. So absolutely. It's yeah. so true, brother. Guys, we've blown through this two hours. I could not Ooh. believe when I looked down at the clock to see it, it had already blown by. There's so much more I wish I could talk to you about. Yeah. We got to hang out again in the future, brother. Yeah, it's almost past my bedtime. <laughs> Gotta wake up early. It's get 11 that. p.m. here in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Thank you right. guys so much. No worries, brother. We got any takeaways for the evening? What were you going to say, Sean? Oh, I was going to say, is this the part where Nate raps? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and we're fired for the truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Me too. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, uh, other than just the, the fact that you know, my, my takeaway from this conversation is simply there is this topic itself of biblical cosmology is so divisive, not because you're asking people to do something strange. You're, it's crazy. You're asking them to think logically and critically mm. and asking them to like, look at the words and say, tell me what the words on the page say. So it does. It, at first glance, it would not seem like it's something inflammatory, divisive, or strange. You're not asking them to carry a, you know, a three-legged goat to the top of K2 and uh, sacrifice <laughs> it to the nearest star on the left. Like you're not asking anything weird, right? Yeah. So, why do people get so triggered by this? Why, why do people get so uh, completely willing to discard even a brother in the faith over this topic when the Bible speaks on it so much? And the, the best way that I could answer myself would just simply, since we were born, the world has thrown a different story of cosmology at us intentionally. Yeah. Intentionally. Oh, yeah. And this is like what you said initially, your initial research, which was, how does Satan deceive the whole world? 
Mm. You know, and literally, it's not just a global lie. It's all pun intended. It's a globe lie. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it, it becomes the lie itself. The term itself becomes the lie itself. It's it's crazy because so many people, there's so many other topics that people will come to. Like people will debate about, you know, the nature of the father and the son and the Trinity conversation, right? They'll yeah. debate about, you know, whether we're already in the millennial or whether we're not, whether there's a, whether, the, by the way, Pastor Nate, you know, when I, I've actually asked pastors, is the new Jerusalem literal or figurative? And I just get blank stares. Like yeah. that, that seems to be like an incredible question that no one ever well, has asked. Let me ask my son real quick. Let me get a commentary. Yeah. 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 It's, it's wild. Um, yeah. I, I've told the story before. I was actually uh, in an hour and a half car ride with three pastors that were all, had all been missionaries over 10 years. And I asked that question, like, you know, just because I like to stir up some trouble. Oh yeah, man. So they were all talking about, you know, their journey. One was from Africa, one was from Europe and they were talking about their different stuff. And I'm like, Hey guys, I got a quick question for you. Um, is the new Jerusalem <laughs> literal or figurative? And they just were like, like they had no clue to what to even start to answer. And, you know, so to me, like this question is, or this, I mean, this topic itself is, is such a big, um, when it gets brought to the attention of a believer who who feels fairly confident in the word and you start trying to say, Hey, okay, what about this verse? And what about that verse? And what do you think this is literal figurative? And it, it, to me, like, like you experienced, you can start getting this anger that can come back at you. Yeah. Right. And just for the viewers out there who have been watching Wes and I in the past, you're listening to the experience of pastor Nate. He's, he's been through it over this topic and he's come out the other side, not just with more joy and peace, but more clarity yeah. on the word. And, and so I would just say to anyone watching, stick with it, guys. If there's people in your family or friends or circle of influence that you're trying to talk to them about this topic and don't be harsh about it. Don't be, yeah. don't call them stupid for not understanding. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't badger them. Just say, Hey, like, let's look at this together. What do you think this says? What do you think this means? I mean, because the words are literally on the page so plainly when they start hearing themselves reinterpret the word convict. Yeah. Let yeah. Let it convict. So is okay. the word. And even yeah. if they call you delusional six or seven times in a conversation, you know what? Yeah. I, I unplugged. I unplugged from that brother because I, I was hurt, you know, yeah. and I didn't, I inside to insulate myself from more rejection. But uh, thankfully the father's plan wasn't dependent on Nate praying for this guy daily. The father had a plan and I was just one point, you know, uh, he actually got smacked. He got, he got flat smacked by two guys at his work. Nice. And then some other things happened, and he was just like, one day he was like, just threw his pen in the air, and he's like, he was studying, he was like, okay. This uh -huh. <laughs> By the way, I see Mike Maranatha, man, he just he threw the gauntlet down at Nate, you know, to flow, in the, but uh, Nate's going to need some help, so Mike, reach out to me. Maybe you can help me with the flow. But Nice, yes. Yeah. But yeah, but we, I do. I do bump, you know, uh, top down a lot in my car. That's, that's I'm great. around, and I'm kind of getting into some of the other playlists, and even oh, my kids, my kids and uh, issues, man, that's that's deep. And, Good one, uh, now, Pastor Nate, real quick, before we yeah. before we let you go, one of the uh, our brother Marlo from he's in the chat tonight. And he's he's bringing up something. I want to get your opinion yeah. on this. Yes. People people say this to us when we try to bring this topic up. How would you what do you feel about this? What would you respond? Shout out, Marlo. I would I, I would say by asking another question, let's do it. Let's let's follow a tactic that, you know, Yahushua would use and to ask a question. But is creation an important topic mentioned in the Bible? Does does Jesus even talk about creation? Absolutely. 
let me ask you this. Are there certain topics in, in Scripture that might spark someone to consider the Scripture itself? You know, certain topics. Yes, we can all, you know, we all know somebody who said, you know, when I read this in Scripture, or when I saw that, or when I was going through this thing in my life, um, you know, it, it's super important. Now, is it is it salvational in the sense that you have to believe in the true biblical cosmology or you're, you know, you can't, you know, have eternal life? No, absolutely not. But I would, I would, I'll fight tooth and toenail to say that it is a very important topic. And I know some people that if they hadn't dove into biblical cosmology, they most likely would not have considered that there's a throne directly above them, and it's much closer than they've ever been taught. And the Father is looking down to see who is being obedient and seeking his ways and who is pure in heart. And some people, um, I think they they followed the path of salvation because of a topic such as biblical cosmology. So don't ever let anyone tell you that it's not important. Now, if you can agree with them and say it's not a truly salvational topic, you know, you can't be saved by knowing the true biblical cosmology. But if, if you know the true biblical cosmology and that doesn't cause you to want to get closer to your creator and know him better, more and deeply, then you're missing out. Um, but yeah, I, I say don't back up on that. You know, don't be rude about it and don't react emotionally. Ex explain to them, articulate in just a few sentences why it is so important. And if you know of anybody like I do, several people who that was the topic, the gateway for them to really take the Bible seriously and say, I need to study this out for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, tell them about it, show it to them. What's funny is that this topic and this question you're, you're saying here on the inverse is the reason so many people leave the faith. Yeah. And I did a whole study on that with one of my kingdom cast shows where I broke down statistically approximately 13.5 million people every year walk away from the faith they were brought up in with the Christian faith predominantly yeah. specifically over the topic of cosmology and evolution yeah. and how evolution is intricately tied to heliocentric cosmology. Yes. And because they hear that, they hear all that propaganda and that occult pagan teaching that's rehashed from ancient ancient civilizations. Mm -hmm. And then they, they see it packaged in a new way, which inherently leads them away from a specific creator that designed them with the Tichonian purpose and is really close to them. So it's opposite things being taught to the children out there. And the tune of 13 and a half million souls every year walk away from the faith over this topic. I can't think of another topic that does that. And that's the crazy part when people say, you know, why does it matter? I'm like, well, the 13 and a half million souls, that's why it matters every year. That's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. And I mean, um, once I, once I realized where positionally, where the father was and where the throne was and how close he was, it not only was exciting, but when you talk about overcoming sin and and just you know trying to be more pleasing to him like when you understand his proximity he's not in some ethereal realm outside on the edge of the ever-expanding universe no he's right above you and he's looking down um, i used to call uh, that space jesus yeah i mean that's <laughs> such a huge motivation so you know now don't make it the main thing either i mean there's a lot of other important topics in scripture obviously but don't ever shy away from uh, 
from sharing about the true biblical cosmology because it is truth, right? And it is the truth that sets us free. And many people I know have been set free, at least in part, to uh, understanding the true biblical cosmology because it changed their whole mindset. It took the veil off. And once that, once you start ripping scales off, I mean, other scales can come off. So keep it up. That's right. I, I've lived it. <laughs> I am a walking testimony of that exact thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was validity to the scriptures that, that there is until I noticed, hey, wow, there's there's something to this, you know, so-called conspiracy about the shape of the earth, the nature of the creation. And Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, keep keep speaking the truth. Don't be ashamed. You know, don't be a jerk about it, but don't be ashamed. Right. Share the truth in love. Amen. And we should now we should be knowledgeable about all things in God's word. Yeah. Walk in, walk in the Father, you know, in the Father's <laughs> ways and follow in the footsteps of the Messiah. And uh, you can't go wrong. Even if people say you're wrong, you won't be wrong. That's right. Hey, Sean, did you have to get that link? You don't have to upload it. Oh, no, I didn't see you send me anything. Sorry. You're okay. I just know we every episode we end with a song playing that as the outro. It'd be weird to not do it. <laughs> you have oh, to oh. because you told me you were going to. So I've been waiting for this. I know. Well, so this is this is just going to be Amber Plaster because we, uh, yeah, Sweet. we're going to be, um, you know, presenting together. Or I should say nice. performing together is the plan. We're hoping to do some collaborative work again, maybe do some flat smacker remix like we did at FBIC 19. But nonetheless, Miss Amber has some more music and she'll be a performer at Take on the World 2021. Awesome. And we're not going to get to see Nate there this this year. I'm I'm sad about it, brother, but I know that you got some important stuff going on and I'm big bummed, but we're, we're going to link up another time. 50th anniversary uh for my in-laws and you know, hey, that's a beautiful thing. 150th, so you got to get right. that's a big deal. Yeah. Real, real quick, actually, did you want me to play that uh, episode teaser for next week? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind actually. I yeah. forgot about that. Before we do that, guys, which way did Jesus go when he got off the ball? <laughs> when, when he, he ascended in, in Acts 1, when he ascended to, to heaven, if if Israel at that time was turned away from wherever heaven is, does that mean he had to kind of like loop around the earth once he got to outer space? And did he have to go 17? Did he have to do 17 and a half thousand miles per hour to escape Earth's gravity to get like Superman did in the original, you know, right? Made it spin backwards. Yeah. 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 I just think that's hilarious to me. It's like, where did yeah. he actually go? So, um, but yeah, this is, we just want to give you guys a quick tease for next week because next week is, um, we're going to be talking about the moon, the lesser light. Nice. Okay.
Give me one second, Wes. I'm still having to queue up that thing you sent me. Oh, you're good. No worries. You could have just played it from the YouTube, but no worries whatsoever. Nathan, Nate Wolf, I appreciate you, brother. Much love. Love you, dude. Can't wait to maybe get to hang out again one day in the future. Let's uh, do another episode. I'd love to come on your show if you want to. Maybe you can have awesome. both of us anytime you want to. And uh, yeah, I want to officially declare you as rehired for truth. <laughs> because <laughs> because we need your help out here, brother. It's a spiritual oh, warfare. Yeah. It's a battlefield. This has really been such a huge blessing, and yeah. thanks for thanks for letting us go over to talk about other important things too. No worries, dude. Yeah, we just wanted to hang out with you. Absolutely. So awesome. keep joining us on the battlefield out here, brother. Keep sharing mm -hmm. truth and don't give up. So thank you for everything you do. You are appreciated. Thanks, brother. Love you. No guys. worries. We love yeah, you too. Thank dude. you so much, Dan. We hope to see you again next time. Alrighty. Y'all have a good night. God bless.
I could never lie, but I'm done with the high and dry. It was a wrong race in a wrong time when winning was already mine. Growing in the town, you were just on the prowl, but I got another waiting on me. I'm done with Rome, I'm heading home. Adios, goodbye, you should go.